It is Thursday, September 22nd here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 3 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. Jared, you can tell that it's about to be fall for real because all the stink bugs are trying to get into my house. I don't know how it is before you live. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, I think I got three of them yesterday. <laughs> I mean, it's it's ridiculous, really. I don't know where they come from, but all of a sudden, when it starts getting a little bit colder, they're like, uh, hey, can I come into your place? It seems nicer in there. I, I, I'm I, also like trying to avoid mirrors, seeing my uh, eyes from like in-season weeks. I'm like, man, am I really about to go do a video podcast with a face like this? But, you know, we, we do what it's we early. Do. It's early. It's early. It's, it's 9 a.m. Usually, you know, usually it's three hours later. But yeah, it's uh, it's only week three, but we're, we're grinding away. Yeah, usually I have time to massage the bags under my eyes a little bit, but we got to get at it today because I have a doctor's appointment with the kid in the middle of the day, a daughter who's had her second concussion, by the way. So that's that's fun. Soccer player um, doing OK. My wife is fortunately a concussion specialist, so, you know, we know how to handle these things. But it's it's one of those challenges that you don't expect to come along. How, how is it? How are those happening? Are they is it from headers or is I mean, it, you the, know? The first one collisions. was like four years ago, and it was at uh, one of those trampoline parks, which is or is always trouble. This one was soccer. She <laughs> just was in a scrimmage, and uh, somebody just kicked the ball and went directly into her face. So, I mean, it's the kind of thing that you can't really avoid. It's going to happen. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how everything goes. She's doing all right. Nothing to overly worry about. But that's why we're coming at you at 9 o'clock in the morning. We'll move to the football now because I don't think people came here for a Shout Family update. Uh, we got Pittsburgh at Cleveland on Thursday night. The Browns are favored by four and a half in this game. It's an over under of 38 and a half. I think the biggest thing is don't expect any big <laughs> fantasy stuff. There are obviously some key players on either side that we're most likely using. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that the line so heavily favors Cleveland in this game, Jared, but I guess that's probably a knock on Mitchell Trubisky more than anything yeah. else. I was going to say, I mean, one, you know, Cleveland's at home on a, a short week, which I always think is, is key. Um, and to me, Jacoby Brissett's been better than Mitchell Trubisky through two games. And, you know, Cleveland obviously has the big edge on the O-line too. So um, I, I think the line makes sense. And, yeah, this is this is a, not going to be a fun game. The only reason I'm excited about it is because the new Amazon broadcast is pretty cool with the all-22 angle. You can kind of, you know, see everything developing up from above. So you're not going to see much developing offensively in this game, but, you know, it's it's a cool angle for, for future games. It was cool last week for uh, Chiefs Chargers. The PFF passing grades, too, put Jacoby Brissett in the middle among quarterbacks so far, which is much higher than anybody would have guessed heading in. I'm not sure that that makes Amari Cooper an attractive option here. I think he's fine if you need to use him. He's like just outside our top 36, certainly capable of finishing inside. But this week's Steelers defense a lot tougher than last week's Jets defense, top 10 in pass defense DVOA. So, you know, again, if you need Cooper, fine. Not somebody that I'm reaching for off of last week's numbers. Yeah, again, I think Brissett's been good enough to maybe support like one pass catcher here per week. And, and you know, week one, it was Donovan Peoples-Jones. Week two, it was Amari Cooper. Cooper is sitting on a 26% target share through two games, though. If he can, you know, hang in that at that level, um, you know, he, he should be decent more weeks than not. Can it be David Njoku week if it was already DPJ and Amari Cooper weeks? <laughs> And Joku's usage last week was actually strong, 85% route rate, and then he saw an 18.5% target share. 
Um, so that, that was encouraging to see. But again, we're, we're talking about good usage on a low volume passing yeah. game. So and the Steelers um, have been good against tight ends for a few years now. And they've been good so far this year. Football Outsiders has them second in tight end coverage. So, you know, to me, I think you can do better than Njoku as a tight end one this week. Yeah, not somebody I'm using, but somebody whose season long upside is not dead, at least at this point. And then kind of rounding out Cleveland. Obviously, Nick Chubb is always in your lineups. He might be my biggest sell of anybody yeah. in the league right now, though, because He's got the fourth most PPR points over expected. Obviously, coming off that three touchdown game is going to do it. But I mean, that's the thing is that the reason if you were wary of Nick Chubb heading into the season, which I was, the reason is mm-hmm. because of how much he shares with Kareem Hunt. And that has played out just as we expected it so far. We've had enough to support both of these guys, but there's always going to be big weeks for Nick Chubb. You're just not going to always get big weeks for Nick Chubb. So I think right now when he's the top scoring running back across formats, it's just like peak value time. I'm not saying he's going to crash yeah. from here, but you can sell him for a still good running back plus more most likely. Yeah. You know, Chubb leads all running backs and fantasy points through two weeks. He, he's seventh in expected fantasy points. So like, you know, the usage has been good. He's outperformed the usage, which he could do because he's Nick Chubb. Um, but yeah, this is, you know, it's a 60, 40 split. Like, you know, with, with Chubb on the the 60% side, but even around the goal line, you know, we saw in week one, Hunt got the, you know, short yardage touchdown. So it's not all Nick Chubb there. Um, but again, this this offense, it, it's it's kind of like Green Bay's at this point. It, it's, you know, run leaning and it revolves around both these backs. Um, so I, I think Kareem Hunt, too, is, you know, in play, especially this week in a game where the Browns should be able to run it throughout, you know, their, their favorites. Um, so I think Hunt could get enough work. Hunt is... Uh, 17th in expected fantasy points through the first two weeks. You know, he's getting RB2 level usage. Yeah, and Pittsburgh's actually actually 18th in rushing DVOA so far, so this could be a decent matchup for these guys. You mentioned their favorites. Uh, Kareem Hunt's 27th in our RB rankings for PPR scoring right now. I honestly feel okay about starting him. That's usually a range where you're like, I don't want to use yeah. this guy unless I have to. There are probably guys inside the top 24 that I feel better about using Kareem Hunt than I do them. He's had 15 touches in each game so far. Yep. Agreed. Um, And the Steelers actually have allowed the fourth most running back receiving yards through two games. And the, you know, the thing to like about hunt is even if game script goes crazy the other way, like if there's a couple of defensive touchdowns from the Steelers or something, and all of a sudden the Browns are chasing that probably favors Kareem hunt a bit more than Nick Chubb. I think one other note on Nick Chubb is excellent usage so far. We have to remember that they've played Carolina and the jets so far. So it's not like, you know, they've played good teams and they're getting good running back usage. There are going to be games where this team's trailing, and we'll see exactly what that looks like for Nick Chubb. On the Pittsburgh side, Deontay Johnson is tied for ninth in the league in targets through two weeks, 31% target share. He's scoring under-expected versus that usage. So it's it's important to note that he, Chase Claypool, and George Pickens are basically on the field for the same mm-hmm. amount of time. I, I don't think, though, Jared, for me, that that's not... Like, I, I want to know about it because I want to be aware of how often Chase Claypool and George Pickens are on the field. But yep. I don't think that you point to that and say there's regression coming to these targets because I think the way that Deontay Johnson is getting targeted so far supports the way he was targeted the past two years, especially last year. Yeah, I mean, he's doing what he's done for a while now, just earn targets at a super high rate. Now they're Mitchell Trubisky targets and they're mostly short range. Um, but I think you alluded to Deontay just 42nd in half PPR points through 
two games despite the 31% target share. And that, that's that's going to climb if he keeps getting this type of volume. And I do think he's, you know, fine to start as like a borderline wide receiver too. But yeah, I, no, to me, like Pickens is a guy I would still try to stash if possible. He Pickens is going to need Kenny Pickett to take over, I think, before anything happens there because Pickens is being used as the deep there. Here, you look at the average depth of targets. Uh, George Pickens at 21 yards as his average depth of target. Uh, Deontay Johnson around 10 yards. Chase Claypool around six yards. So that you know, Pickens is getting those low probability deep shots, and you know, Trubisky just is not good at, at throwing those. I think Pickens has a shot once Kenny Pickett takes over, but until then, you know, he's just a bench stash. And same thing with Claypool. Honestly, at this point, with Deontay Johnson hogging that level of targets, and you know, Pat Frymuth, we can talk about getting a solid target share. There's just not enough to go around in this offense for anyone besides uh, Deontay Johnson and, and Friar Muth. Yeah. And I think there's a chance that Kenny Pickett makes things a bit more efficient, but I, I wouldn't expect a big boost in really any important area. If they do shift to him, we'd still be talking about a rookie quarterback who, you know, didn't yeah. steal the job from Mitchell Trubisky heading into the season. You say what you want about who earned it, but it's, it's at least not clear enough that Pickett is that much better that he forced Mike Tomlin's hand to use him heading into the season. Yeah, but we'll see. I, I, I think it'd be a boost. Probably not a significant boost, but Mitchell Trubisky sucks. I mean, he's he, he's just bad. And, and Kenny Pickett looked good in the preseason. Yep. Pat Fryermuth, who you mentioned, second on the team in targets so far, sixth in expected PPR points among tight ends, sixth in actual PPR points among tight ends. So, like, he's somebody that you're just locking into lineups right now at tight end. Yeah, twenty four percent target share. That you know the routes are where we want them to be. Um, yeah, he's he's there as a you know low end weekly tight end one. Najee Harris, disappointing versus where you drafted him so far. It's worth noting he was RB twelve last week, even with just yeah. forty nine rushing yards, just four point four five yards per touch. I mean, this is probably pretty much him going forward. And this is yep. what I didn't like about him heading into the season. The offense is not good. That's going to hurt the running back, but he's going to be heavily involved regardless of how the game goes for that team. So the touches will be there. The scoring will probably be down. RB12 is fine. It's disappointing if you drafted him as RB6, and it's especially at that level where those you know six spots matter because you gave mm -hmm. up value. You skipped drafting somebody who might be a stud right now, Devontae Adams, for example. But it's not time to say, I'm benching Najee Harris this week because he sucks. He's, you know, he's what... Yeah you should expect usage wise from Najee Harris. I mean, he's, yeah, relatively speaking, he's still a pretty strong play at running back. Like you'd have to be loaded to even consider benching Najee. I think he's going to give you a lot of RB 12 to RB, you know, 15 finishes where, you know, he racks up 90 total yards and catches four or five balls. And, you know, last week was the first fully healthy week we got from Najee after, you know, he exited week one, um, his you know playing time and, and routes were down a bit from last year. So last year, you know, he played 81% of the Steelers snaps. He played 71%. Last week, his route rate last year, 63%, 53% in week two. So I do think Pittsburgh is, you know, we, we heard back in the summer that they wanted to scale back his, his, his snaps a little bit. I think that's going to be the case. Now, those are still high marks. And, you know, he's still one of the better volume bets at the position. Um, but I, I don't think you're going to get quite the volume uh, from Najee this year as we got last year. And we shouldn't. I mean, if Pittsburgh's playing it smart, they should scale it down a little bit for the sake yep. of keeping him healthy for the entire season. Yep. I will say before we get away from Najee Harris, I already bet the over on his total yards for this game against the Browns. 
on underdog in the in the pick'em. And Jared, normally I don't like to do the total yards <laughs> for running back because they have the rushing line, they have the receiving line, and then the total yards is always higher than the sum of their rushing and receiving line. So normally I'm like, okay, if I believe in this running back, I'm going to bet the rushing. But with Najee Harris, I don't know which to bet. I don't know mm. how this game's going to go for Pittsburgh, mostly because of Mitchell Trubisky. I do believe that Najee Harris is heavily involved, and I do believe that he's he shouldn't have a whole lot of trouble reaching 80 total yards in this game because I don't expect it to get out of hand. I do expect there to be plenty of carries. But, you know, just in case Cleveland jumps ahead and there's a bit more Pittsburgh passing, I feel better about leaving it open that he gets there one way or the other. And if you look at our our projections for the week, we have Najee Harris over in both the rushing and the total yards. So, you know, help me feel good about it. Yeah, 86 total yards is our projection for Najee. You are you are brave, though, for betting any over in this game tonight. I'm going to be going on underdog this afternoon and looking for some unders in this one. I also took the over on uh, Kareem Hunt's total yards, which – we our projections like 1.9 yards over his total. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's certainly not one of those. We definitely believe this is happening. It was basically the same thing as Najee Harris. I think Kareem Hunt will be significantly involved regardless of how the game goes. So I needed somebody from the other side. And honestly, <laughs> he's the one that I feel best about betting on among Browns. Fair enough. Kansas City at Indianapolis second in this one. Chiefs by six and a half in this game on the road over under a 50 and a half. Uh, not too much on the injury front. Nicole Hardman was limited Wednesday with the heel injury that knocked him out late. He, I think he came back from that, but was kind of yeah. gimpy on it. So he should be playing in this game. He's playing about half the snaps to begin with so far, though. Already trailing the top two wideouts, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He's been kind of with them in targets, but he's you know just going to be less of a good bet, and especially if he's heading in with any kind of injury. Yeah, we saw Justin Watson, you know, be the guy who took over for Hardman in that week two game when you know, Hardman missed a few snaps. Watson scored the long touchdown. So, you know, Sky, Sky Moore is still buried here. Andy Reid did make some comment this week about him. He wants to start getting Sky Moore more involved. And, you know, he, he is a rookie from a max school. I think Moore is still a nice stash. Um, obviously not a fantasy option at this point. To me, it's it's like it's only Juju at this point among wide receivers. And that's even shaky at this point because – Patrick Mahomes told us in the summer, like, this is going to be a spread the ball offense. It's going to be an offense that's different every week based on matchup. And that's what we've seen so far. Like Juju was featured in week one. He, he was not featured in week two. So it's probably going to be a frustrating situation. But, you know, Juju is getting the playing time and he's on a Patrick Mahomes offense. So I think, you know, he's he's worth sticking with as, as like a wide receiver three. And he's going to have some spike weeks and he's probably going to have some weeks that, that disappoint you. I mean, I still think that MVS is right there with Juju Smith-Schuster because he's right there with him in playing time. He did get the seven targets against the Chargers, so I bet his over last week. It killed me to watch him get the, you know, the usage that I was hoping for. Like, if you told me ahead of time seven targets, I was like, yes, this bet is going to hit. He caught three of them. You know, he's been an inconsistent guy career-wise, but he is working shorter with these Chiefs, so... You know, I think if he keeps getting targeted in in that range and, you know, I don't think that we should expect any chief besides Travis Kelsey to get his targets every single week. But I I don't see a whole lot of difference between Juju and MVS right now, other than Juju's had one game better than the two games that MVS has had so far. Yeah, I, I just ha- haven't seen anything from MBS to like change, you know, kind of where I had him in the preseason, which was like a, a wider zero four. I mean, he, 
MBS leads the Chiefs wide receivers in routes. He's slightly ahead of Juju there, but he has just a 15% target share. He's not earning targets at a, at a super high rate. Um, now, that, that said, this does look like a massive mismatch. The Colts' pasty has been really bad so far. Football Outsiders has them 29th in pass defense DVOA. So I, I could see this being a huge and, – and the Colts are pretty solid against the run. So I would expect the Chiefs to come out super pass heavy in this game. I think it's going to be a big Mahomes game. So that that gives MVS upside. There's still the ceiling there, just being you know that you know getting that much playing time and on this offense. Um, but again, I haven't been super encouraged by what we've seen from MVS so far. And that's the thing. In most other cases, either Juju or MVS, with what they've done through the first two weeks, you'd say I don't want to use this guy, but. It's with Patrick Mahomes. It's in this matchup that you just talked about. So like if it's if it's close, I'm not reaching to play either of these guys. But if it's close, you say, all right, I'll play the Patrick Mahomes receiver over, say, Amari Cooper. I'd probably play both of these guys (laughs) over Amari Cooper this week. But it's close. I mean, those guys are all in that range where I have no idea who's going to get the most targets among these three players. So I'm probably leaning Chiefs because I know that they're going to want to throw. And I think that the Browns would like to throw as little as possible. Yeah, it definitely feels better to click a Chiefs wide receiver than a Browns wide receiver. I'll give you that. Uh, And, you know, just kind of to build off of the note of the Chiefs spreading it around. Last week, we got seven targets for Travis Kelsey, seven for MVS. 21 other pass attempts were spread among eight Chiefs. So there are lots of guys vying for targets. It's not just the ones that we're talking about. Um, Clyde Edward D'Lair. The team has won twice and he's carried 15 times. He's seen seven targets. He caught them all. So He's he's done well for us in fantasy so far. It's a little bit flimsy on the usage that he's gotten. He's sitting in bottom of RB2 territory. It's it like it, it's shaky the way that he's getting used so far. I don't want to overtrust yeah. him. I'm certainly not throwing him out, but it's it's something to be wary of. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's still a three man committee. Now, you know, Pacheco's not doing a ton, but you know, Jarek McKinnon's playing a bunch on passing downs. McKinnon actually out snapped. Uh, Everett's a in week two where, you know, the Chiefs had some some trailing game script against the Chargers. So, you know, Everett's a 33rd among running backs and expected fantasy points. That That's deflated a bit by the fact that he really didn't play the fourth quarter in week one. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he's still like a borderline RB2. And even that's, you know, overselling the usage because he's playing in this offense and I think he, you know, can be more efficient than average. Um, but but the usage is you know, not nearly as, as strong as his production says it is so far. Yeah, he and Kareem Hunt are basically a coin flip heading into this week, I would say. I mean, they, yeah, we should basically we should pretty much expect the same level of mm-hmm. opportunities for both of these guys based on what we've seen yeah. so far. Yeah, and especially this week with CEH again, I think. And he's involved in the passing game, but um, I wouldn't expect big rushing volume from Everett Allaire on Sunday. Speaking of rushing volume, over to the Colts side, Jared, we have Jonathan Taylor projected for like 20 more yards than <laughs> his line in the underdog pick So... I went ahead and bet it. I can't say that I feel 100% awesome about it. It is Jonathan Taylor, and that's why I talked myself into it, especially mm-hmm. with the big gap. Um, but, you know, if the Chiefs jump out, I, I, I worry that we could get something like last week where he ended up only carrying nine times against the Jaguars. So is his rushing line in the 60s on underdog? Because we have over 88 rushing yards. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I I mean, I have to go back and check the numbers, but I, so I, I will plug my article here. I did post my underdog pick them, you know, recommendations where I compare the underdog pick them numbers to our weekly projections. I posted it yesterday. It'll normally be a Friday thing. We'll see if I can start getting out earlier to take advantage of those early lines. But uh, Jonathan Taylor came out. There was like a 20 yard difference. I don't remember the specific numbers. So 
it, it seemed low, and that's why I went ahead. All he really needs to do is get the ball. And I, I, yeah. I don't think that there are going to be more weeks like last week against Jacksonville, where even if they are trailing some, he only carries the ball nine times. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't bet on nine carries for, for Jonathan Taylor. I think that, you know, I think the Colts can keep this close enough. They are at home. Um, I'm not sure they can, though. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we can talk about Matt Ryan. I think he's just about dusted, which is that, that's the concern for Jonathan Taylor at this point is, you know, I think the offense is not going to be as good as we thought it was going to be. Taylor's usage, though, has been awesome. And this doesn't help you a ton with the rushing prop. But, you know, even a negative in negative game script for almost the, they were trailing almost the entire game last week. Jonathan Taylor still played 74% of the snaps. He ran her out on 61% of the pass plays, just 39% for Naheem Hines, like, you know, in bad game script for Jonathan Taylor. So that's, that's super encouraging. Not that you need a reason to start Jonathan Taylor, but I do think he's, even if the Colts offense is not good, even if the Colts are not good this season, Taylor is going to be okay because he's playing more in passing situations this season than he has before. Mm-hmm. And it's early, so I'm sure he'll have a total yards prop up there. Maybe he already does, but it was just the the rushing one um, when I looked. By the way, if you are new to Underdog, if you haven't played on there before, you can get your first deposit matched up to 100 bucks by entering promo code DraftSharks, or you can just click the link at the bottom of this podcast wherever you're either watching or listening to it to get started there. Pick'ems are fun. I mean, you you can use our projections, and that's really the point of our article, to kind of show where the best lines are. The best lines have been in passing yards so far. You can check out the article to get specifics for this week, but we'll certainly have more to come. Um, Elsewhere on the Colts side, uh, Michael Pittman limited Wednesday with the quad injury that kept him out last week. So that seems encouraging. Seems like he should play against the Chiefs, and he's certainly in lineups as long as there's no reason to believe he'll be limited in his activity in in this game. Yeah, Pittman's probably the only Colts pass catcher you want in lineups. Um, it does look like we'll get Alec Pierce back after he missed last week with a concussion. He was a full go in, in Friday's or in Wednesday's practice. I'm curious to see how this wide receiver core starts to shake out now because Paris Campbell has been a major disappointment. He had a great opportunity last week. He even led the Colts in you know, led the Colts wide receivers in snaps, but you know, finished catchless on you know, one or two targets. I think it was Ashton Doolin has been the you know second most productive Colts wide receiver behind you know Michael Pittman so far despite you know kind of limited playing time you know Ashton Doolin has um 13 targets on 40 pass routes and you want to talk about earning targets Doolin's been doing that so I I would not be surprised if Doolin is you know the Colts number two wide receiver this week behind Michael Pittman again you're not starting him um, but in deeper leagues I think he's he's a decent stash because again Campbell's been disappointing Pierce doesn't seem you know quite ready yet um and, and Doolin has been good so far Dueling it and dueling it and dueling it well. <laughs> Don't talk yourself into using Naheem Hines in this game either. I mean, you look at it and you say, oh, it's a Naheem Hines game, but this gets back to what Jared was saying about Jonathan Taylor's usage. And if Jonathan Taylor is getting significant receiving usage, that means we might not get true Naheem Hines games this year. So, you know, be aware of that so far. There have been two games so far where they they tied the Texans in overtime and then trailed big time against Jacksonville. We've got nine and five total touches from Naheem Hines in those two games. Yeah, the Colts lost 24 zip last week, and Hines had one carry and five targets. It, you know, they uh, Hines, I think Hines had like the first target of the game. It looked like they you know, kind of wanted to scheme stuff to give him the ball early, but then it just kind of, you know, fizzled out from there. So I, he, I, I mean, I, I think he's, I don't want to say he's droppable because a Taylor injury would turn Hines into, you know, a fantasy starter, but I think Hines is, a handcuff at this point. He's, he's not usable if Taylor's healthy. 
Yeah, he's not a must drop, but he's definitely droppable in plenty of um, places. I think even if Taylor went down, you're, it's not like you're missing out on yeah. Alexander Madison and in Indianapolis. Right. Um, anything else from that game? Nope. Baltimore at New England. Ravens by three in this one, over under 43 and a half. And the first thing we have to watch is Lamar Jackson, who had a sleeve on his right arm in Wednesday's practice. No throwing. He says the arm is good, which is what football players say. John Harbaugh <laughs> says normal course of the season thing. I don't think there's anything normal about your quarterback not throwing the ball in practice in week yep. three. So I think that this is BS. That said, all we can do right now is watch and see what they're saying heading into Sunday. Yeah. Anytime a quarterback's dealing with any issue to their arm, it's, you know, worth monitoring closely. Um, Lamar might just be sore because th- this is a pass heavy Ravens offense and Lamar's chucking it deep. He has one of the highest average depth of throws in the NFL. Again, the Ravens um, third in situation neutral pass rate through two weeks. And I do think part of that's because the running game's been so bad without JK Dobbins. And once Dobbins is healthy, that'll dip a bit. But um, I don't know. I think that's kind of a shift this Ravens offense has made. And that's obviously awesome news for Lamar Jackson going forward. You know, he, he has a chance to lead. Actually, I think Josh Allen's a pretty heavy favorite to lead quarterbacks and fantasy points at this point, but I think Lamar has a you know chance to, to finish top two or three. Yeah, I agree with all of that. J.K. Dobbins, full practice Wednesday. Let me take a look at week two because I don't remember if I, I – He was, I full, all, he was full all last week, and they okay. still held him out. So, this, I mean, at this point, we're just going to have to to wait and see when they're ready to, to get him out there. Yeah, it's certainly nearing it. They're obviously playing it cautiously. It's working out so far for them, although they ended up, you know, losing in a come from ahead <laughs> game last week. But, you know, we'll see about Dobbins. I'm certainly not using him his first game back, yep. but he's he remains somebody to stash on rosters. James Prochet, Isaiah Likely were limited at Wednesday's practice. Um, offensive tackle Ronnie Stanley is limited, so he might be uh, ready to go. And then Devin Duvernay is dealing with a concussion. He didn't practice Wednesday, so him being out would certainly only help the target outlooks for um, obviously Mark Andrews starting, but Rashad Bateman as well. Rashad Bateman's less of a sure thing than Mark Andrews to start, but certainly been delivering so far on, you know, not high target volume. He's somebody who I would have a hard time not playing. Uh, yeah. I think you have to start Bateman. I mean, the guy looks unbelievable. Um, I didn't know he had that speed that he showed on that long touchdown against Miami. That was impressive. Yeah, but you're right though. The usage has been, underwhelming it's a bit worse i mean bateman's 13th among wide receivers and half ppr points through two weeks he's just 38th in expected half ppr points and his routes are still lower than you want to see i mean he's at 72 percent through two games now you, know, you really want to see your wide receivers you know up in the you know, mid 80s to 90s so i'm not really sure what's going on there again you can't really complain because the production has been there and the guy looks awesome so hopefully they kind of expand his playing time going forward and then yeah i mean mark andrews to me um I might call him the favorite to, to, you know, lead tight ends in fantasy points this season. I think he's going to, you know, I, I kind of thought there'd be a gap between Kelsey and Andrews this season. I don't think that anymore. Um, that's largely because the Ravens are going, you know, past heavier than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it for me on the Baltimore side. So on the Patriots side, uh, we've got the Ravens allowing more quarterback points and more wide mm-hmm. receiver points than any other defense so far. I think Mac Jones is, interesting for deep leagues i don't think that he makes it into consideration for most leagues he though definitely pops as an overbet in the underdog pick'em article that i posted yesterday okay i have to see what his lines at. i mean I, I like the matchup well if keeping it what's it at it's like 208 yards it was like barely over 200 somewhere like he we had him something like 33 yards over what his line is 
Yeah, we got him for two forty nine. Um, now he, you know, he's still not playing well, which is concerning. Um, I, I thought the Pats' offense, though, in general, was better in Week Two. That they went from five yards per play in Week One to five point seven in Week Two, and against a pretty good Steelers defense, so that's kind of encouraging. What you'll obviously have to keep an eye on the Ravens' secondary injuries, and then we'll have to keep an eye on Jacoby Myers, who did not practice on Wednesday. He battled through this knee injury last week. Uh, but he, he he got in three limited practices last week, and then you know he was you know again DNP on Wednesday. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. That you know that'd be a, a pretty big loss for this Pats passing game. Yeah, for sure. There's really not much else you want to put in a lineup. Damian Harris sits a a little higher in our rankings right now than I think I would play him. What's the case for Damian Harris right now? I mean, 15 carries and, and two targets last week. He was 10th among running backs in expected fantasy points. Um, I do think the Pats offense shouldn't, you know, move the ball, even if it's, if it's through the passing game this week, but, you know, that's going to set up Harris for some um, touchdown opportunities. I don't know. I think he's, he's okay. Um, we did, you know, we, with Ty Montgomery out last week, we, we saw this become a two man backfield, which was nice to see. And Ramondre Stevenson actually beat Harris in snaps and pass routes. You know, he Stevenson, it didn't really show up in the box score, but Stevenson took over Ty Montgomery pass catching role. Um, so that, that, you know, puts him in play. I think, you know, more than you might expect if you're just looking at his numbers from last week. Yeah, I think that there is a chance still, though, that Baltimore controls this game and takes it away from Damian Harris a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm not betting on Baltimore running things up here, especially on the road, um, but I think that possibility makes me a little bit more wary of the running backs. I, I mean, you, you know where they are at this point. They're going to be yep. either at the bottom of RB2 territory, just below it. Um, you know, it really depends on what you have for how much sense they make in a lineup. Yep, exactly. Las Vegas at Tennessee Raiders by two over under a 45 and a half Hunter Renfro concussion did not practice Wednesday. So we'll see if he makes it back. Tennessee is weak in all phases on defense so far as we would have expected heading into the season. So like really anybody that you're strongly considering among the Raiders certainly makes sense. Josh Jacobs just outside our top 24 running backs. That's really because the receiving usage usage stinks so far. I'm probably playing Josh Jacobs over Damian Harris this week though, even with that in mind. Yeah, I mean, the rushing stuff has been excellent for Jacobs. 88% of Raiders carries through two games. And he, to me, he's looked good as a runner. The O-line, I can say it's been good, but it's been you know, good enough to open some holes for Josh Jacobs. But, you know, the two targets it's what is what's hurting Jacobs. And the fact that he hasn't scored yet, you know, that, that part's going to change. Now, you know, J- Jacobs has run a pass route on 40% of the pass play. It's not a huge number, but to me, if he's running – that level of pass routes, he's going to start seeing some targets. Like, I think you can project him for like, you know, two, two and a half targets per game going forward. So that should come up a little bit. And like you said, good, good spot here against Tennessee. So I think Jacobs is, you know, find, find use as a lower end RB too. I don't know if you're aware though, Josh McDaniels uh, hates Josh Jacobs. So he's probably telling Derek Carr not to throw to him, even though he's out there on those passing downs. Right, right, right. Derek Carr just outside our top 12 QBs, but it's an upside spot in this matchup against Tennessee. I'm starting Derek Carr over Tua this week. Uh, Some of that depends on who's healthy in the Buffalo secondary. We'll get to that game in a little bit. But I I think that Derek Carr has a higher floor. And I'm not sure about ceiling because I I think it's still too early to really know the realistic ceiling. I don't think last week is the realistic (laughs) ceiling, even though it did happen in reality, especially against Buffalo. I don't think that that ceiling is there. But, um, you know, they're comparable. I'm playing Derek Carr. I feel better about him versus Tennessee than Tua against the Bills. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I mean, Carr's not playing well. That That's my biggest issue. And, you know, maybe it's just settling into this new offense. But PFF has him 32nd in their 
passing grades. Now he, he's, he's still finished quarterback eight and quarterback 11 these first two weeks because he has those weapons, because this is a, you know, fast paced pass leaning Raiders offense. So, you know, I don't know, maybe that hints and hints at some upside actually, if he starts playing well in this situation, maybe he, he can be even better than he has been so far. I'm still optimistic about, you know, Carr and the, this Raiders passing game getting going. Um, we'll see about Renfro. That, that'd be a big loss, obviously, if he can't go. Do you know if Carr is beating DJ Dallas in passing grade so far? <laughs> Probably not. Dallas is 0 for 1 with a pick, right? I mean, he's got to get a zero. <laughs> yeah. Dontrell Hilliard, Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, all limited in practice Wednesday. Left tackle Taylor Lewan did not practice because of a knee issue. That's on the Tennessee side. All those guys probably don't matter for setting our fantasy lineups because I really don't want to use anything Tennessee besides Derrick Henry right now. Yeah. Um, and even Henry, I mean, what we've seen the first two weeks is worse. I mean, he's averaging 3.1 yards per carry. Um, he's like middle of the pack in PFF rushing grade and elusive rating. That's kind of a continuation of what we saw last year where, his, you know, that efficiency stuff has started to decline as he's, you know, gotten closer to 30 now. He's racked up all these carries. The Titans O-line is not great. Now they looks like they lost Taylor Luan for a while, if not the entire season. So um, Henry's a guy I'd be – if I had any Derrick Henry and I don't, I'd be looking to get out from him, you know, when he has that first big game. Yeah, and the lesson that I'm taking from Derrick Henry right now is I took him early in round two of a main event draft. And, you know, it's easy to say at the time, oh, I'll take some Derrick Henry here because in round two, he makes sense even if things go downhill. But, you know, what we're getting so far is the Tennessee offense is not going to support him. So any inefficiency that's showing up in his own play is only going to be magnified by that. And then, you know, it's the, the lesson for me you know, in a normal league, you can say, all right, I'll trade him when he has a big game because he's still Derrick Henry. But, you know, here it's like, don't let the now he's a value thing make you take somebody that you don't really want. You know, unless yeah. it's far enough down that you can actually not start him when he's not startable, or especially through those first three rounds. It's dangerous to say, well, I don't like this guy in round two, but now that he's in round three, I like him. Or I don't like this guy in round one, but around the turn, I think he's better. It's, you know, it's still a case by case basis for me. I'm going to remind myself of Derrick Henry going forward. Yeah. And I, he's, he's going to be okay going forward. I mean, he's still the focal point of this offense. They're not going to, you know, get blown out 41 to seven every week against the best team in football. So he'll be okay. Um, but He's, he's probably not going to deliver on ADP. Traylon Burks, I'm getting excited about. I would not want to use him yet, but we did see his route rate climb. He was 36% in the opener, up to 57% in this one. And he, you know, Burks leads the Titans in targets. He's at a 19% target share despite, you know, that limited playing time. So, you know, once they're ready to give him something closer to a full time role, I think he's going to be the clear top option in this passing game. Then he, yeah, at that point, he'll be someone we can consider as a wide receiver three. I agree. And even though the playing time hasn't been there overall, he's getting involved early in game. So it's not like mm -hmm. he's coming in late after they fall behind or something. And he looks good, right? Yeah. Yep. He, looks, yep. he, he, that one, he had that one crosser against the Bills. I'm like, eh, that, it looks a little like A.J. Brown. I'm not saying A.J. Brown, but that's the type of play that Titans you know, like to use Brown on. And I mean, more importantly, he's basically the only thing in Tennessee that actually looks good when you watch a yes. game right now. Yes. Cincinnati at the Jets, Bengals by five, over under 45 in this one. You start all your Bengals that you're considering. It could be a get-right spot yeah. for Joe Burrow. The Jets are the league-worst defense in past DVOA through two weeks. T. Higgins is back, returned last week, started slowly in that game, but then came on. It looks like he and Jamar Chase are going to jockey for that target lead like we expected. Tyler Boyd, two targets with T. Higgins back last week. So Tyler Boyd belongs on benches as we expected. 
Yeah, I'll be talking about the Bengals passing game on the DFS shows tomorrow because I like them in tournaments. I think this is kind of the breakout week. I expect Joe Mixon to be like the chalk in DFS, and he probably should be. It's a great spot for him. Mixon's usage has been awesome. He, you know, he, Mixon is getting a bigger share of the backfield this year than he was last. And, you know, you have the Bengals as favorites here against, you know, a pretty bad Jets run D. But I do think it's a get right spot for the passing game. Like you said, the Jets, uh, the worst defense, worst pass defense, according to Football Outsiders, through two weeks. Um, yep. Burrow. Burrow hasn't been great. The O-line hasn't been great. Um, you know, Burrow did miss all that time in August with the appendectomy. I, I wonder if that's playing an issue. That should, you know, you know, not be as big an issue as we get deeper into the season. Um, so you're obviously starting Burrow and his wide receivers. And, and Hayden Hurst, I think, is in play if you don't have, you know, one of those locked-in stars at tight end. Um, you know, he has a 17% target share through two weeks now. Um, he's seventh among tight ends in expected fantasy points. So, you know, he's getting – enough usage on this passing game that again, I think should be even better than it has been going forward. Yes, I agree with all that. And, you know, like you said, with, with Joe Burrow, it's not the kind of injury where you can say um, it it takes this long to get over. It's one of those things that just cuts out your training time. So it can take a little bit of time for a guy to just get back into full playing shape. So yeah, maybe that is a factor. Five catches in each game so far for Hayden Hurst, as you said, about 17% target share. That's, you know, excellent for where we drafted him and what we're looking for in that range of the tight end ranking. So I agree. He's a usable guy at a position where lots of people that we thought would be more usable than they are, um, are hanging out on the Jets side. Zach Wilson's possible for week four, not going to be week three. So it's still going to be Joe Flacco who's tied for third in the league in passing yards uh, through two weeks. He's first in pass attempts by 14 ahead of anybody else. (laughs) Um, So, you know, it's, it's a high volume passing game. It's yep. got usable pieces. Jared, all of the Jets wideouts sit wide receiver 36 or lower in our rankings right now. Uh, should I really not use any of them yet? Yeah, we had so many emails about Garrett Wilson last night, kind of asking why is he so low? I might end up bumping him up a little bit. Um, I mean, the, the argument against him is the playing time isn't quite where we want it to be yet. He ran her out on 72% of pass plays last week but that was up from 56 percent in the opener i wouldn't be surprised if we look on monday morning and you know wilson runs around on 85 percent of fast plays because he looks awesome i mean you know 31 percent target share last week despite you know just decent playing time and garrett wilson leads all wide receivers in expected fantasy points according to pro football focus you know despite the limited stuff so you know he, he he's earning targets out there um so i, I do think you know he might climb five to 10 spots in our rankings. I do think he's in play as a wide receiver three. Same for Elijah Moore for me. I do think, you know, he's getting the playing time. I still think he's a good player. Wilson might be better. I still think Moore is good. And, you know, it's going to shift in his direction eventually as defenses start paying more attention to to Garrett Wilson. So I think Moore is still, you know, in the wide receiver three mix as well. Yeah, I'm all for moving Garrett Wilson up the rankings. I think that based on what we've seen so far, we should be flipping him with Elijah Moore. It's still in the range where we're figuring things out, though. So you mentioned Mm -hmm. Garrett Wilson's expected points. He's also got the second most PPR points under expected so far. So that, you know, points to the usage being good. So the gap here is Elijah Moore is playing more. He's on the field more and most among all these Jets receivers. Garrett Wilson, though, has earned a target on 30% of his routes versus Elijah Moore at 11.4%. Now, we're still early enough that that could be a reason to expect regression for both of these guys, or Mm -hmm. it could be that Garrett Wilson is just better. And neither of those things would be surprising because we both like Elijah Moore. Everybody likes Elijah Moore. He showed well last year. He was an early round two pick, so we're not talking about a huge gap. 
But Garrett Wilson was also a top 10 pick. So it shouldn't shock anybody if he is just a better player than Elijah Moore, if the Jets yep. already believe that. And even if he's not on the field quite as much as the guy who's in his second season with the team, he might already be the leader in that pack. So I think based on what we've seen through two games, I would feel better about using Garrett Wilson. It's entirely mm-hmm. possible. Elijah Moore beats him in targets this week, beats him in production this week. But, you know, I, I think that we have to go with what we've seen through two games and through two games, it looks like Garrett Wilson is the better bet to produce for our teams. Yeah. I think, you know, if I had to guess right now, I'd say Garrett Wilson ends up you know, being the better pro player and maybe even out producing Elijah Moore this season. Um, I guess to me, when I did the initial projection, it's like Elijah Moore, 92% of the pass routes, Garrett Wilson, 72%. It's kind of hard for me to rank Wilson higher, but we also have to project forward. And again, I, I would expect that gap in routes to be much closer. And, you know, Wilson might even, you know, inch up right next to Elijah Moore if he can kind of, you know, pass Corey Davis, who, you know, has just been okay so far. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. Um, at least getting them closer together, if not having Garrett Wilson, you know, a bit higher than Elijah Moore this week. Of course, Corey Davis's business card says just okay. Uh, in the backfield, Brees Hall outscored Michael Carter fantasy points wise in week two, but the gap widened in Carter's favor in their yep. receiving usage. The Hall touchdown came via the pass. It came on his only target of the game, though. So I think it it could be easy to overrate the role he's playing right now. And that's why if you look at our running back rankings, you might be surprised based on how they scored last week. But Michael Carter's inside the top 24. Brees Hall is at RB 36. I think that's where those two guys belong. I, the, the problem for Hall and even for Carter to some extent is the Jets got Ty Johnson involved last week. Ty Johnson ran more pass routes than Brees Hall did. Um, you know, Hall was at 18% of the pass routes, just 27% of the snaps. That, you know, that's tough to count on in fantasy lineups. I would try not to use Brees Hall this week. You know, Carter is still okay. But again, even for him, you know, Ty Johnson's taking some of those routes, that, that hurts. Hopefully that was just like a one-week thing. I don't know, because Johnson wasn't involved at all week one. Yeah. And there were times last year where Ty Johnson was more involved and then he never took over things. So I think it's like, they like him enough to keep him involved. I, they, they have to realize though, that Ty Johnson is not at the same level as either yeah. Reese Hall or Michael Carter. Right. Like they spent around two pick on Hall. Carter has looked awesome through his, you know, first season in, in two games and then they, they got to get Ty Johnson in the mix for some reason. It's always dangerous though, to look at the jets and say, they have to realize this, right? <laughs> yeah. Anything else in that game? Uh, Ty Conklin, um, he's he's Hayden Hurst on a, on a worse offense, basically. Like the usage is there. Um, you know, the target share hasn't been quite as high, but you know, T- Ty Conklin has run the most pass routes among any tight end through two weeks. Um, now that's largely because the Jets have thrown the ball more than anyone else. But you know, Conklin's out there running pass routes. So if you're you know desperate for a tight end, he's he's probably not going to hurt you. He'll probably get you three to five catches. And hey, if Joe Flacco keeps leading the league in pass attempts, then uh, there's there's exactly. room for everybody to eat. Yep. Just, just like a, like a <laughs> low fat meal, <laughs> KFC or something. Uh, Buffalo at Miami bills by six on the road over under 52 and a half tied for the week's highest over under. We got Gabe Davis still with the injury to watch. He was limited Wednesday. So it seems like he's probably trending toward playing mm-hmm. in this game. Dawson Knox though, missed practice Wednesday with the foot injury. We had no Gabe Davis on Monday night. Jake Kumaro was the only other wideout besides Stefan Diggs to crack 50% route rate. Not using Jake Kumaro, but if Gabe Davis yeah. is out, I guess I'm not using anybody else besides Stefan Diggs either. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously slightly disappointing not to see Khalil Shakir do more. Um, but what's more disappointing is that, you know, neither Isaiah McKenzie nor Jamison Crowder played enough or got enough volume to be useful. So those guys, I mean, I, I think they're draftable at this point. I mean, we just saw even with Gabe Davis out, like they weren't really – 
fantasy factors. I hate, you know, dropping any piece of this Bills passing game, but it just hasn't been there yet for those two slot guys. Dawson Knox's usage has been disappointing too. You know, even last week, um, you thought his role in the passing game might grow without Gabe Davis, but still it's just a 60% route rate for Dawson Knox. He's seen just 10% of Bills targets through two weeks. Like he's, he still has upside in this offense and, you know, the, the touchdown upside he showed last year, but you know, he's, he's going to have a bunch of duds if his usage doesn't improve from here. Yeah, Dawson Knox is the one I would be more worried about giving up on because he's going to stay involved to some degree. I agree that both of the um, slot guys are droppable because it's just not worth clinging to a slot receiver who's playing half of the snaps, regardless of the offense. Yep. Um, Devin Singletary dominated the backfield playing time in week two, (laughs) and the gap was a little bit wider than it was in week one between him and the other two guys. I wonder, Jared, from that, if he should be high in our rankings, but then you remember that he only has 14 (laughs) carries and four catches through two games. Right, like he's out there, but even last week he was 51st among running backs and expected fantasy points. Like it's a a Josh Allen offense. You know, they want to throw the ball a ton, and Allen's going to play a big role in the passing game. I think that's going to be the case this week too. Um, You know, we just saw Lamar Jackson smoke the Dolphins' pass defense. Football Outsiders says Miami – 31st in pass D seventh in run D. So I don't, I don't see a reason for the bills to, you know, try to run it much on Sunday. Yeah. And I don't see any reason to believe that they will either Tua on the other side, obviously amazing numbers by the end of week two, no defense though has been tougher than the bills so far. They've not only won both games, but they've dominated both of the offenses that they played. And the first of those, like you could say, Tennessee stinks. It looks like they do. The first of those was the Rams though. They've been pretty good. Um, in recent history on offense. So this Bills defense looks like one to worry about. Um, we have two a 12th in the in the quarterback rankings right now. I, I would, if if it's close between him and somebody else, I would, I don't know. I, I, I mentioned Derek Carr specifically. I don't know how many other guys there are behind them. Like I was looking at the other mm-hmm. quarterbacks and there's nobody other than Derek Carr that I really feel good about playing over Tua. I guess I just wouldn't overrate Tua's upside based on last week, which was, I mean, yeah. otherworldly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that'll be the best game of Tua's career. It'd be the best game of 99% of quarterbacks' careers. I mean, Miami still has a 23.25 point implied total. That's a solid mark. You know, it's, it's actually a quarter point below the Raiders and a quarter point above Baltimore. Um, super impressive that Bill's defense has been as good as it has been you know without Trey White um you know they lose Dane Jackson last week he's very likely out for this game Micah Hyde is hurt I'm not sure if he's going to play in this game so I mean the, the secondary is shorthanded but I think it's more of a scheme thing with Buffalo um but Miami's scheme is so freaking good Mike McDaniel is awesome right now he's getting the ball to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle in space and if you do that like those guys are going to make plays so um yeah I would not be surprised if, if Tua disappoints this week, but like, if you don't have one of these locked in every week starters, I wouldn't necessarily be, you know, you know, running to the waiver wire to grab someone to play over Tua. Yeah. And then, you know, I say that I would play Derek Carr over him. If you say I'm playing Tua over Derek Carr, I'm not saying you're an idiot by any means, because yeah. it might just be like, I, I need to adjust my opinion of Tua. Cause to this point, he's not been somebody that, you know, you have to be scared to bench. Maybe he is yeah. now that he's got Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle. He's still missing throws too. Like, you know, his, his Deep balls aren't great. Like he's accurate on the short stuff, but um, there's still some limitations to his game. But again, Mike McDaniel is scheming this up perfectly for the personnel that he has. In the backfield, we had the shift from Chase Edmonds leading the week one usage to Raheem Mostert leading in week two. And that makes me not want to use either one if I can help it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in 
different situations, most of it will be interesting if this is how it's going to go. But I also think this even might be more of a Chase Edmonds game if Miami ends up behind because, you know, Chase Edmonds is still the primary pass catching back here. He did run more pass routes than Raheem Mostert last week, although it was close and both guys saw three targets. So we'll see exactly how that plays out. But yeah, um, in this matchup this week, I would try to just avoid Miami's backfield. And I mean, even from the receiving standpoint, the Bills have a good coverage linebacker in Matt Milano. So it could be a tough spot, even if Chase Edmonds is out there running plenty of routes. So, you know, just it's it's not a not a boom spot for anything on the Miami offense. The passing game is is much more interesting in the backfield right now. Matt Milano's pick six uh, cost me a fantasy game on Monday night. That was uh, that was tough. <laughs> I can understand. On to Philadelphia at Washington. Eagles by six and a half over under 47 and a half. Devontae Smith, it was nice to see him lead things in week two after an empty week one. The targets were spread evenly among the top three Eagles pass catchers against Minnesota. A.J. Brown still led with eight, then Smith with seven. Dallas Goddard with six. Still nearly 26% target share for Brown. So, I would guess, Jared, that week two is a little bit closer to the season-long truth for how targets are going to go among these guys. But, you know, we're obviously still waiting to see. It was 41% target share for A.J. Brown in yeah. week one. We did not expect that to continue. We'll still have to see, though, if it's if it's more like 26 A.J. Brown, 22 Devontae Smith, or, you know, 30 to 19. And that's, you know, it sounds like nitpicking, yeah. but it, it it could be a significant difference. Yeah, I'd honestly bet closer to, on you know to thirty to nineteen. Um, I think that you know Philly kind of wanted to get Smith going um, on Monday night, and they you know that offense could do whatever it wanted in that game. That was a super impressive performance, and I think that's what makes Smith interesting. So like, I think he's going to have some nice games, even if he is you know an eighteen percent target share guy, because this Eagles offense looks awesome. Um, it is passing at a decent clip, uh, Philly. 11th in situation neutral pass rate through two weeks, which is, you know, not quite where they were at the start of last year, but way higher than they were, you know, when they were dead last over the final two thirds of last season. So I, I, I Smith's going to be frustrating. I think oh, yeah. um, he's going to have some duds. He's going to have some, some big games. I think AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard are you know, the two you know locked in starters in this passing game. Mm-hmm. Miles Sanders has been a locked in um, leader in ball carrying. He maintained the clear rushing lead in week two, just over 50% playing time in each game so far, but Kenneth Gainwell picked up receiving usage versus where Miles Sanders was in that area. We had Gainwell and Boston Scott still significantly behind in, in overall playing time, but Gainwell basically even with Sanders in week two receiving usage. You know, we'll see if like that is how they want it to be going forward or if that's going to be something that just kind of wavers mm-hmm. week to week. Miles Sanders is definitely um, usable in like low RB two range. I think he's somebody to feel good about based on how good the offense is in that range of yeah. things. But I think we have to also not overrate his floor based on his carry lead. Yeah. I mean, Sanders looks good. The O line looks awesome. The offensive general looks awesome. That's kind of what's helping Sanders so far. The usage has been okay. I mean, he has 41% of the Eagles carries, you know, Jalen Harris obviously taking a bunch of those and then 8% of the Eagles targets through two games, um, but if you're getting that on, you know, what looks like a top five offense, like, you know, Sanders, again, like you said, I think can be that low end RB2. He's actually produced above that level so far. Um, it's a good matchup, too, for Sanders. Washington's been bad in run defense so far. They've allowed 6.8 yards per carry to Jacksonville and Detroit running backs over the first two weeks. And he'd be more like RB16 if he didn't have the team's goal line back at quarterback. Yes, exactly. 
On the Washington side, Carson Wentz third in the league in pass attempts through two weeks. And to me, Jared, this looks like another game for 40 plus pass attempts for Carson Wentz and plenty of volume for the guys around him. Yeah, they, they'll probably be playing from behind, but you know, the, the passing thing is by design too. The commander's sixth in neutral pass rate through two weeks. So, you know, they're this they they want to be a pass heavy offense, evidently, which you know, makes sense. They have weapons, you know at wide receiver and at running back. It's a couple guys that can catch the ball. Now, the Eagles defense has looked strong through two weeks. Um, I guess not, not in week one, um, but it, you know, last week they totally shut down a Vikings offense that I thought looked awesome in week one. Um, so not, not a great matchup for once, but again, like you said, if you're going to get 40 pass attempts, you know, he's probably going to deliver a decent fantasy day. They had strong moments in week one against Detroit. Ultimately it didn't um, pan out well. So there's, I think there's the aptitude to be a good defense and also the aptitude to be a a bad one in a given game. (laughs) Curtis Samuel has been the target share leader in each game so far down uh, from 27% in week one to 20% in week two, I think probably closer to that second number over the season. But like I said, I should, there should be plenty of passing volume in this one. So I think there's plenty to support him as a starter. I think Terry McLaurin still ahead of Jahan Dotson as options and Like this is another situation like in Pittsburgh where all three of these guys are playing very similar amounts of time. But looking at how they're targeted, we've seen Dotson get targeted on about 10% of his routes, McLaurin about 12%, Samuel about 22%. Among those three, I think that Terry McLaurin's probably in for a correction. I think that we should see him targeted on a higher percent of his routes. Not saying that's locked in, not saying go get Terry McLaurin because this is Mm -hmm. definitely happening. But I'm saying I think it's possible that we get Terry McLaurin up in that number and we shouldn't be surprised if it happens. Yeah, the gap between Samuel and McLaurin is going to close. Um, I guess I'd still bet on McLaurin leading in targets the rest of the way, but I do think it'll, it'll be close. I, I think McLaurin's like a wide receiver three. I, yeah. you know, I, I don't think you're benching him in most cases. He's still going to have some big games because this is a pass-leaning offense and they're using McLaurin on some of those deeper shots. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to you know, re-emerge as the clear top dog in this passing game. Samuel and Dotson are just too good. Yeah, it, Terry McLaurin's good. There's just not an enormous gap in talent between him and the next two pass catchers on this team like there has been the previous two years. Yep, exactly. Antonio Gibson seeded backfield target. Uh, the target share lead to J.D. McKissick in week two, still nearly matched McKissick in routes, though. Um, good usage overall for staying in our lineups this week. Uh, this could be a McKissick-friendly script if that is how they're going to go when they're trailing mm-hmm. like they were last week. It doesn't make McKissick a good option. I'm still easily playing Antonio Gibson. I would rather not play J.D. McKissick unless you're just yep. like, hard up for a running back. Yeah, I-, I thought week two was actually encouraging for Gibson that you know Washington was down – 22 zip at halftime and Gibson still had 14 carries and four targets. You know, that almost seems like a floor at this point for his usage. So I, I think, you know, he's, he's a, a solid starter, even in what's a, you know, pretty tough matchup. But then yeah, McKissick, I mean, he's, he's, he's a better option than Naheem Hines at this point, but um, you know, still not someone I'd, I'd want to be using even, you know, with, with, with trailing game script. And I do think that Antonio Gibson is sellable. I've seen plenty of trade, you know, questions come through with him on one side or the other. I think he's sellable, but I don't think that we should treat this like once Brian Robinson's back, it's going to be him starting and Gibson, you know, yeah, mildly involved. We maybe it'll turn into that at some point, but it also could just be Gibson leading the backfield the rest of the season. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, impossible to know what to expect from Robinson because you know, it's, not, it's not an injury we've ever seen. Um, and then Gibson, I thought he looked awesome week one. I thought he was not as great. In week two, he had at least one drop that I saw. The rushing efficiency obviously wasn't there. So we'll see how you know he does over the next couple of weeks. I think that'll impact you know how big a role Robinson plays when he's healthy. 
Uh, it's not totally unprecedented. We could look back at Plaxico Burris's um, efficiency afterward, right? <laughs> That's true. We should probably Car- do that. Carson Wentz inside our top 12 this week. Honestly, I would play him over Russell Wilson very comfortably this week. Um, I think Russell Wilson's currently one spot ahead of Carson Wentz. We'll get to him specifically uh, in a few minutes, but Carson Wentz is just somebody that I would talk myself into feeling pretty good about this week. Definitely the chance that he lets us down in a given game. Um, We've talked about the talent with the Eagles. We talked about how they shut down the Vikings on Monday night, but based on what we've gotten so far, based on the receiving talent that we mentioned, you know, there's reason to believe that Carson Wentz can be your starter this week. Yeah, I think he's he's going to rack up fantasy points. It's not going to be pretty, but he's in a good spot again. How this offense is calling plays with the weapons he has. Um, yeah, we'll we'll get to Wilson. His ranking right now on, on DS is assuming Jerry Judy plays. Um, so if Judy doesn't, Wilson's going to fall. Um, and you know, if you do start Carson once, don't watch him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Logan Thomas is usable, but he's running routes on about 60% of dropbacks so far. And, you know, mentioned the crowded situation with those wideouts. So that limits the target upside. So if you're somebody that came into the season relying on Cole Komet and like your next option is David Njoku at that level, Logan Thomas is usable, but I would rather mm-hmm. use Tyler Conklin and Hayden Hurst than Logan Thomas at this point. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'd rather use those two guys. Thomas actually dropped from 60% of the routes in week one to 58 percent in week two so we're talking like one or two pass routes but the fact that he didn't climb in playing time you know i i want to wait to to see that playing time get bigger until we can you know trust him in fantasy lineups agreed houston at chicago bears by two and a half over under 40 and a half in this one damian pierce got a breakthrough a mild breakthrough in week two just four more carries than in week one the same one target that he got in week one but he more than doubled his playing time share versus the opener. So, you know, Lovey Smith said stuff afterward after week one, like we want to get him more involved, but you know, I wanted him to play more than he did today. And a lot of times we hear that and we're like, yeah, but why can't you just make that happen then coach this time they made it happen. So if you have Damian Pierce, he's an option this week, like down in that RB 30 type range, not somebody to reach for, but somebody that you can start if that's where you're looking. I I think we have him even higher than that. Don't we? I'm not even sure. Either. No, you're right. We have him at RB30. It's 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 because the passing Ooh. game production. Yeah, you know, we have him for you know just over one catch. That's still hurting him. I I will say the the even the pass routes were closer last week. You know, it's 49 percent for Rex Burkhead, 37 for Damian Pierce. If we you know start to see that inch closer and you know Pierce eventually move ahead, that's going to be huge for him. Lovey Smith talked up Pierce again earlier this week. He was saying like you know our, our team needs to learn how to finish like Damian Pierce, that guy finishes, you know, he finishes his runs. He's playing hard out there. So I think Lovey Smith loves this kid. I'm still not exactly sure what happened in week one, but I think what we saw in week two is going to be much closer to the usage going forward. And this is a a good spot for Pierce too. Like, you know, Houston might be playing with the lead in this game. They might be able to get Pierce, you know, 15 to 20 carries. And, you know, it's kind of our job to criticize the coaches afterward, but I'm sure that it's very easy to get lost in a given game and, you know, look back afterward and be like, "Ah, that's not really how we wanted those things to happen. I know that there are things in my life that I do that with (laughs) afterward. I'm like, man, I should have really handled that. Yeah, Yeah, but you don't have a staff of like 10 assistant coaches behind you to help you. I don't know. I I don't I don't know how it happens, but it did. (laughs) I don't think it's going to happen much going forward. I think Pierce is the guy. 
This is a spot where they could get plenty of, you know, rushing volume. Chicago certainly does not look like a team ready to run away from anybody <laughs> in the scoring columns yet. And Chicago at home against Houston is just a two and a half point favorite in this one. I, you know, otherwise among Texans, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Nico Collins was right with Brandon Cooks and targets last week, but still mm-hmm. clearly behind him in route. So it's really just Brandon yep. Cooks still. Yep. Just Brandon Cooks, 29% target share through two games. Like that's, you know, about where he's going to be for the entire season, I think. Uh, on the Bears side, I think you can't comfortably start anybody besides David Montgomery. It is at yep. least a good spot potentially for him. Let's see if they fall behind Houston, but I wouldn't bet on that happening. The Bears have 28 pass attempts through two games. I, mean, I know one of them was was the, the monsoon, but even, even last week, 25% neutral pass rate for the Bears. That's like as low as I've ever seen. I don't – they obviously don't want to trust Justin Fields at this point. And honestly, Fields isn't playing well enough as a thrower. I mean, he looks good as a runner, but as a passer, he's not playing well enough to really, you know, make the bears want to trust him. So like the, the playing time and even the, the, you know, t- like target share for Darnell Mooney is fine. Um, but it doesn't matter if, you know, the team's going to throw 20 passes. I mean, how can you play well enough on 28 attempts through two <laughs> games? Right, so I w- we'll see, like you said, 28 attempts so far, the next lowest in the league is 52 for the Niners. So they're like half, of the next lowest team in the league. That's just ridiculous. Regardless of what you, if, if that's a reflection on what you think of your quarterback, then he shouldn't be starting for you. To me, it's, this is stupid coaching. Like I obviously, you know, I'm biased toward Justin Fields, just how I've felt about him all along, but regardless of how you feel about your, your quarterback's passing acumen, you can't have it balanced like that. That doesn't work yeah. for anybody in the NFL. Even last year's Eagles were, they, <laughs> they would look at this split and be like, yo, you guys need to throw the ball more. And, but again, the Bears set up fields to fail this season by what they've surrounded him with. Um, and, and again, we had the, the rainy game week one. Week two, the Bears, you know, had it close for, you know, at least the first half. And David, David Montgomery was rolling on the ground. Um, so I don't know. I, not to make excuses, it's still super worrisome. It, the pass rate is obviously going to climb from here, but we, we need to see it before we trust any of these Bears passing game weapons. Yeah, weapons. definitely. Not, not playing any of them, but I have to move on from talking about Justin Fields before I start crying. <laughs> New Orleans at Carolina. Saints by three in this one over under 40 and a half. We got Jameis Winston limited Wednesday. Dealing with back and ankle injuries. Alvin Kamara was limited Wednesday with the rib injury. Taysom Hill was limited Wednesday with the rib injuries. Always limited, though. Um, the health questions are keeping me from considering Jameis Winston as an option in one QB leagues. I do think, though, that all three wide receivers are in play. And, you know, it's it's probably going to be one of those situations where my feelings change a lot of times throughout the season about how to tier them. But Jarvis Landry's week two differed significantly from his week one. And I wonder if it was a correction in a dot. I think based Mm -hmm. on what we've seen career wise from him, it's going to be somewhere in between, but probably closer to week two than to week one. And the numbers are week one, he had a 15 yard average depth of target last week. It was 4.4. So I think he's not going to be as high as week one. He's not usually going to be as low as week two, his career a dot is eight yards though. So we should expect something in that shorter range. And that is what places him, you know, lower than two guys that have the upside that Michael Thomas and Chris Olave do. Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, Thomas has kind of solidified himself as the the best fantasy option in this wide receiver core. I mean, he's done all you could want through 
two weeks now. I mean, the fantasy points have been there. He's ninth among receivers in half PPR points right now. He's 15th among receivers in expected fantasy points. He has a 23% target share. Like, that's not at elite Thomas levels where he was a few years ago, but like 23% is a, a pretty solid number. So he, he's like an easy, you know, wide receiver two every week at this point. Chris Olave, you know, if you listen to any fantasy podcast this week, you're going to hear about his air yards in, um, week two is, you know, he was like, he became the fifth wide receiver over the past six seasons that have 300 plus air yards um, in, in a single game. So he, he's getting those deep shots. We know Jameis likes to chuck a deep. Now the deep, the deep shots are pretty low probability when, when you're, you know, you're talking to Jameis at this point, especially through the back injury. Like if you go, if you go watch the targets Olave got last week, like, you know, half or over half of those deep shots had, you know, really little chance of being completed. So um, I, he, I, he, Olave is going to have, a few big games this season. He's going to be inconsistent if this is how they're going to use him. Um, but, you know, when you're getting those deep shots, and listen, he's, he was a good prospect. Um, he, he was good going deep at Ohio State. Like He's going to hit. Uh, he's, he's a good DFS tournament play every week. I still think he's going to be you know, maybe too inconsistent to rely on in, in lineup setting leagues. Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, but the upside is going to be there. He's going to have some weeks that are like, oh, man, I can't believe Chris Olave was yeah. on my bench. And then you'll start and be like, oh, man, I can't believe I trusted last week. <laughs> Will Fuller. Think think, think Will Fuller. I think that's kind of you know, going to be what Olave is going to give you. Yep. Juwan Johnson tied for eighth among tight ends in total routes so far. So he's another one of those yeah. usable, not exciting guys at tight end. And a 16% target share. Now, you know, last week was without Alvin Kamara. He's going to you know, steal some of those targets. I don't think Johnson will quite get to 16% on the season. Um, you know, I'd, I'd still probably rather start Hayden Hurst, but I, I'd, I'd probably go Juwan Johnson over Tyler Conklin if you're, you know, digging down to that range. And I think Juwan Johnson, Ty Conklin are, are basically even. Um, so it, it would be a coin flip for me between them. Yep. I'd probably lean Conklin with a healthier quarterback, but, you know, it's one of those I'm not going to arm wrestle over it. Yeah, very similar guys where you know they're on the field, but they're competing with some good wide receivers for targets. Um, on the Panthers side, I hate that DJ Moore has yet to reach 50 yards in a game this year. He did go for 79 plus in three of the past four meetings with New Orleans. And, you know, a quarterback play has not been good so far, but those came with Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> as his quarterback. So, you know, it's feasible that he gets it done this week, but we obviously have to drop him from what we expected him to be heading into the season. Yeah, Baker's looked horrible. You know, I was convinced he was going to be an upgrade over Sam Darnold for the Panthers. He hasn't been through two weeks. It still might happen. I mean, you know, he, let's remember he joined the team. Was it late July or early August? Like, you know, so he he did, hasn't had a lot of time to learn this offense yet. So you know, maybe we should cut him a little slack, but he's been bad so far. I guess the, the good news, the Panthers – second in neutral pace and first in neutral pass rate through two games. So they're, you know, trying to be this fast paced pass heavy offense. It hasn't worked so far. They've run 53 and then 58 plays. You know, that's a big part of the reason that DJ Moore and even Christian McCaffrey have been a bit underwhelming. You know, McCaffrey's usage still elite. DJ Moore's usage still really strong. I mean, he has about a 22% target share. You know, that that's a good, Mark, where if we start getting more plays out of Carolina, I do think DJ Moore is going to be fine. I, I, you know, I downgrade him a bit from where we had him in the preseason, but I wouldn't be trying to bench DJ Moore yet. Yeah. And I'm not giving up on him overall because there's certainly room for it to rebound. Of course, the way that Carolina has operated under Matt Rule makes you think that they're <laughs> just not good at making decisions. Like if you were going to end up getting Baker Mayfield, why didn't you get him earlier in the offseason? So there was more yeah. time to get everything working. Uh, you know, and if the argument, for that is, well, we were hoping Sam Darnold was going to come along, then you're a moron because yeah. we've seen 
reason to believe that Sam Darnold is not going to. And, and you know, we, we like pass-leaning offenses. The Panthers probably shouldn't be leading the league in neutral pass rate, you know. Like, like give the ball to McCaffrey a bit more on the ground. Yeah. Uh, Detroit at Minnesota, Vikings by six, over under 52 and a half. So Vegas is not too worried about Minnesota rebounding from that Monday night game against Philly. And that's how I would treat them as well. Anybody that you have been starting in Minnesota, I wouldn't change my opinion because of what happened against Philly. This game is tied for the highest over under the week. So you should really, in general, feel pretty good about the options that you're looking at. DeAndre Swift, we're still going to have to watch on the ankle. No practice Wednesday. That's, of course, how we started out last week. Did play in that game. Did get there for you fantasy-wise, but was way down in usage. So it's that flimsy kind of game where if he has the exact same usage as last week, sure. he could just as easily have Travis Etienne weeks. Yeah, now, you know, he he looked fine out there to me. Like, you know, the, the touchdown catch, he falls and still makes like three guys miss before getting in the end zone. So he looked fine. Um, Dan Campbell said earlier this week that, Swift feels better now than he, he did, you know, prior to, to last week's game. So I kind of think the Wednesday no practice was just, you know, them being cautious with him. I, you know, I guess tentatively expect Swift to be closer to a full workload in this game, but we'll have to, you know, watch his practice participation these next two days. Boy, he's somebody that I would sure like to not have to have on my team to, you know, <laughs> worry about the injury every week. Yeah. I know that the production's there. I know that he's good, um, but it, yeah, he just makes me uneasy. He He's good. That O-line has been awesome. Um, the Lions are second in neutral run rate, so they want to be a run-heavy offense. The Lions are first in neutral pace through two weeks, so it's been a you know fast, heavy, run-leaning offense with a great O-line. Like, it's a great situation for DeAndre Swift, even if you know he's, he's sharing with Jamal Williams a bit more than, than we'd like to see. I think we might be underrating Jared Goff so far. QB nine overall in fantasy points through yeah. two weeks. QB 19 in week one. QB seven last week. He did have four touchdown passes. That's not going to happen a whole lot. 16th in pass attempts. So, you know, not enormous volume, but I think he's probably a little bit lower in our week three rankings than he should be. Not saying he belongs in the top 12, but maybe more like, you know, 15, 16. We have, we have him 20th right behind Daniel Jones. I could definitely see starting. Goff over Jones. Are you starting Goff over Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? Yes. I mean, I mean we'll get to that game, but you are? Oh, yeah. Wow. I, so, and I, I tweeted this uh, earlier this week, but the Lions offense has been awesome through two games, despite Goff not playing well. Like, he's missed throws uh, to DJ Chark, especially last week. He had Chark for what would have been a, a huge gain over the middle of the field, and, and Goff missed them. Um, PFF sucked. has Goff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, PFF has him 29th in passing yeah. grade, like, but... Yeah, the offense, he, I mean, the he's, been good. he's not a good quarterback. We knew that. <laughs> but TJ Hawkinson's pretty good. DeAndre Swift is pretty good. Um, I'm, I'm on Ross St. Brown is apparently really a god. So it's good that he got <laughs> yeah. that name. So, I mean, there's enough there to support him. I think the team will mm -hmm. be trailing in this game. I think there will be more throwing. You know, we've got the high over under. So it's just one of those where, I, like I said, I'm not reaching for him inside the top 12. He's mm -hmm. not somebody that I would start over Russell Wilson, but I wouldn't be shocked if he outscores Russell Wilson yet again. Yeah, all fair points. Um, I don't know if I could click him over Brady. I got Rodgers would be easier for me. I don't know. We'll yeah. get to that game. It's it's uh it's the over under is surprisingly low. Yeah, we'll talk about those guys in a few. Rounding out the lines though, Jamal Williams leads the league in red zone opportunities so far. So I think the ankle issue for DeAndre Swift last week certainly helps, mm -hmm. but Jamal Williams has seen that usage in each of the first two games and Minnesota league worst and run defense DVOA through two yes. weeks. So, I mean, I'm not saying sit, 
you know, Zeke Elliott for Jamal Williams. But if you're hard up for a running back where you're like, oh, this is going to be a Naheem Hines week, I'm going to use him. Don't do that. Play Jamal Williams instead of Naheem Hines or J.D. McKissick. Yeah, like based on the numbers, this Lions run game versus the Vikings run defense is like one of the biggest mismatches of the week. So, yeah, I think Williams could have a surprisingly productive day. On the Vikings side, Adam Thielen led in week two receiving yards, still third in targets, though, behind Irv Smith in that game and well behind Justin Jefferson, 15 percent target share in that game, 14 Mm percent through two games. So, you know, Adam Thielen probably still has big game potential to him, but he's somebody that you shouldn't feel like you need to play in this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about Thielen. Um, like you said, the 14% target share, and that's despite running a route on almost every single pass play. He's run 85 pass routes, so he's seen a target on 13% of his pass routes so far this season. He was at 20% in both 2021 and 2020. So, um, I don't know. It, it could be a case of a guy that's just sort of hit the wall and he's in decline. We'll see. I mean, this is obviously – the spot to give him one more shot. I think, you know, he should have touched on upside here with the Vikings having that big implied total. Um, if Thielen disappoints again this week, I think we can start to consider benching him going forward. Yeah, I agree. And I think he is benchable, you know, depending on who you're deciding among this week, I would play um, Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel both over him yes. this week. Uh, it, it's also one of those situations that we're, we're waiting to see if this is the new normal for Adam Thielen in the system and yep. in the new system and with him getting older or, if we've got some regression coming. Yep. Just two games, but you know, there are other reasons to believe. I mean, one, just how good Justin Jefferson is. Like, I think it's clear. He's the the guy in this passing game. Thielen's probably not going to get to the target share. He was at last year, but you know, we need him up, you know, closer to 20%. If he's going to be someone that we can use in fantasy lineups. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think the only other, like the other guys are obvious in general. I think Kirk cousins is back in starter range, despite what he yeah. did on Monday night. The other question I think is Irv Smith. And the question is, Jared, did he do enough in week two to make (laughs) you start him in week three after he was basically non-existent in week one? Yeah, it is a tough one. I mean, the, to me, the best mark in his favor is the matchup in the game environment. Like, you know, we kind of, you want to be starting Vikings in this spot. Um, And Smith's route rate did climb. So he was at 44% week one, 60% in week two. That's still 60% is still not a great number. You want that to be higher. And plus you hit, you know, Kevin O'Connell after week one said that, you know, it's like game plan dependent with these tight ends. So there's a chance Smith is back down to in the forties this week, you know, in, in, in routes. Um, So again, there's upside in the spot, but I I would try not to use Irv Smith. I think his floor is still low. Yeah. And the, the sheer fact that he's saying that when tight end two is Johnny Munt and, you know, not to <laughs> denigrate Johnny Munt, but that's somebody who I believe came over from the Rams, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he, so was, he, was, that, he was a purely a blocking guy with the Rams, but they're using him more in the passing game in Minnesota. Yeah. So it's somebody that obviously Kevin O'Connell likes to some degree. And if Irv Smith has not separated from Johnny Munt, then that's a, a knock against Irv Smith for sure. And he dropped like what would have been a 60 yard touchdown in that Eagles game. So that's, that's not going to help him. Yeah, not at all. Jacksonville at the Chargers. Chargers by seven over under 47 and a half. This looks like a nice fantasy spot. Could be fertile DFS ground, Jared. But the first question is whether Justin Herbert is ready to go. Limited Wednesday with that rib injury. You know, that's obviously good. That points to him likely being back. That seems to be the message is that they're optimistic Justin Herbert will play. But we're going to have to watch the situation all week for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, the reports have been that it's a pain tolerance thing, which you, you get a lot of time with these rib issues. And if that's the case, like I'd be shocked if Herbert doesn't play. I mean, the guy was battling through it in that Chiefs game on Thursday night. He could barely throw, but he, he was still out there. So I, I expect him to play. And it obviously adds risk to him. Like there's a chance he takes a big hit and then he's just not able to go. Um, I mean, it, you know, we'll see what we hear the rest of the week, but I, I would still plan on starting Herbert if he's if he's your if he's your guy. Yeah, that would make me wary of him in DFS, but if, I, I'm not going to reach to start somebody over Justin Herbert in my season long league. And if, if that yeah. mean if he gets knocked out during the game, oh, well, like that's the risk of playing this game. There was that moment in that Thursday night game, though, where he was like, oh, I could run for it here. But no, I cannot run for it here. Actually, I'm just going to throw the ball away instead. Keenan Allen limited Wednesday with the hamstring injury that kept him out last week. So another situation we'll have to watch, but the fact that he started limited suggests that we should expect him to play. You know, if he is playing, I think we knock Josh Palmer back out of consideration. If he's not playing, maybe Josh Palmer's in that wide receiver three consideration. Yeah. I think Palmer's a wide receiver three. If Allen is out. Um, I know he was disappointing for most of that game on Thursday night. Him and Herbert just weren't on the same page. It was frustrating. I was starting Palmer in a bunch of spots and that was, uh, yelling at the TV, but, um, you know, he, he came through with the touchdown late, um, which, you know, is, is what Palmer's going to do. I think playing in this Justin Herbert led offense. So we'll see about Keenan Allen. Yeah. I hope he's either like a full go these next two days and ready to go, or they just hold him out another week. If he's, you know, questionable with that hammy, um, I think he'd be a shaky fantasy play. Mm-hmm. Then the Jacksonville side, I think Christian Kirk's a pretty easy start at this point. Yep. Um, we do have Zay Jones and Marvin Jones playing about the same amount of time. I'm not feeling awesome about either of those guys yet as a wide receiver three or a, a flex in a PPR league, but you know, they're guys that you could reach to if you need somebody down in that region. Certainly if you're talking about a league, that's like 14 plus teams um, should be a good game for passing volume. They are seven point underdogs, assuming Justin Herbert's good to go, uh, especially if Keenan Allen's good to go. I think this yep. could be a trailing game with more pass attempts. Trevor Lawrence, Looked better last week than week one was certainly efficient. So that's good for him and everybody. I would rather not use him in a fantasy lineup mm-hmm. still, but he's getting closer to where I might feel okay about it. Yeah. Lawrence looked awesome. I thought that was probably his best game as a pro so far. Um, so that's encouraging. I, I just think this chargers defense is really good. Um, we've seen them limit Derek Carr and Patrick Mahomes in the first two games of the season. They're like the, the personnel says they should be good, right? They're, they're pretty loaded on defense. I, I would, shy away from these, you know, secondary pieces like Zay Jones and Marvin Jones in this game. I would try not to use Trevor Lawrence as a spot there. I mean, the, the Jags have the 20.25 point implied total. You know, Vegas is telling us they don't expect the Jags to score a lot of points because this Chargers D is so good. And yeah, I mean, the backfield, like you can't use Travis Etienne right now until his usage improves. Yeah. Um, but you kind of have to hold and see what happens on that front. James Robinson, I would be wary of using this week because of what should be negative game script. Yeah, I mean, I know we talked about the Chargers defense all last season as being this run funnel. They kind of invite teams to run the ball. So I I could see Robinson having some success early on, but I do think that, you know, we're going to see the Jags trailing, you know, in the second half. So that's going to hurt. And that would obviously help ETN. I mean, uh, you know, last week set up as a James Robinson game with the Jags having that massive lead. So I don't expect the backfield to look like that going forward, but I'm, I'm with you. I think, you know, we, we need to see more playing time, but ETN looks good when he gets the ball, yeah. but he's just not getting enough opportunity right now to be someone we can use in fantasy lineups. Yeah. I'm not cutting Travis ETN, but I'm also not starting him if I can help it. And <clears throat> before we get too away from this game, that chargers defense that you mentioned, they've got Jacksonville this week, then Houston, Cleveland, Denver, Seattle, then their week eight by, and then Atlanta yeah. 
San Francisco. So if the Chargers defense is available, grab them quickly. I know I am bidding on them. I did bid on them. I actually haven't checked in to see if I got them <laughs> last night in a main event league. But you could have a starting defense for seven of the next eight weeks. I tried to get them in a few spots in the FPC. I think I bid like 12 or 13 bucks. They went for like, they were like in the thirties. Um, so, you know, uh, uh, at least in the leagues, I am in other owners saw that schedule and were, you know, willing to, to bid in the thirties for a defense. Yeah. I was wondering, I think I bid something like $17 or something like mm-hmm. that. So I'll have to see, I, I don't remember exactly Maybe. what my bid was. And I haven't had time yet to see if I won them, but I, I'm hoping so. Cause I saw that schedule. I'm like, Oh God, th- this could be, <laughs> this could be a difference making defense for some of those weeks. For sure. Definitely. Um, anything else from that game? No, Evan Ingram usage still awesome. He, you know, came through with a decent line. They're still using him on all this short stuff, which, you know, kind of hurts the ceiling, but, um, you know, he should have a pretty nice floor, you know, just based on the the target and reception totals. Yeah. Like he's the, he's what you should use. If you're thinking of Logan Thomas, he doesn't have the touchdown to pump up his numbers yet, but he's the guy that's getting, you know, the usage that he, you can count on the targets more. So. Yep, exactly. Atlanta at Seattle Seahawks by two over under 42. Jared, it's not at all crazy to start Marcus Mariota over Russell Wilson this week. And I was kind of just realizing that as I was doing the notes for this, especially true if Jerry Judy is out. But, you know, with Judy around for at least half of what's happened so far, Mariota has outscored Russell Wilson in each of the first two weeks. He's got a higher PFF passing grade, and obviously he brings more rushing than Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, so we have Mariota 14th right now. Yeah, so he's behind Wilson, but again, Wilson might drop. Um, we do have Mariota ahead of Aaron Rodgers, ahead of Tom Brady, ahead of Trevor Lawrence, ahead of Ryan Tannehill. So, you know, Mari- Mariota looks like, I mean, just looking through this, like, I, unless you were able to grab Wentz or, or Tua on the waiver wire this week, like, Mariota's probably the best waiver wire spot start option. The rushing, as you said, has been awesome. Um, I thought, I, I thought he didn't, he didn't play very well last week, um, but I thought he played better in week one. And he has, he has, he has Drake London and Kyle Pitts like that. That alone gives him some passing upside. So yeah, I think he's interesting this week. Yeah. He's like Terod Taylor. I mean, not quite as much rushing as when Taylor was the quarterback for the bills, but you're not playing him because he's good. You're playing him because he's competent enough. He runs the ball and you know, there are other guys ahead of him not playing well. And you know, you just talked about the, the QB rankings. I probably am not playing him over Derek Carr two or Carson Wentz, who are the next three guys ahead of him. But so I guess what I'm saying is dropping Russell Wilson down. We'll talk about Denver um, in a few minutes. So if, if, if Marcus Mariota is your quarterback this week, I think you feel okay about it. Certainly capable of letting you down, but it, it could work. Cordero Patterson's also probably not high enough um, in our rankings based on a game script that I don't think is likely to go strongly against Atlanta in this game. Like I'm playing him over Damian Harris. I think he's at least similar to Daryl Henderson, Miles Sanders, and and a much better touch bet really than CEH at this point. Well, he split carries last week with Tyler Algier. Both guys had 10 carries. Um, I don't know. There's been all this talk about Kyle Pitts' disappointing usage. I'm disappointed by Patterson's usage because his his passing game role has declined from last season. Like he ran around on just 37% of pass plays last week. You had Avery Williams at 17%, Algier at 14%, Caleb Huntley for some reason ran a couple pass routes and then you have you know a 10% target share for Patterson which is decent but it's not you know it's not where it should be he should be up in the in the mid-teens in this passing game where it's you know Patterson London Pitts and not much else so to me that's why um, Patterson is lower in the rankings I don't don't like what I've seen usage wise from him 
Yeah, I can certainly agree with that. I mean, I think if he were getting the usage that he probably should based on what's around him, I think he'd be like, you know, RB 14 or higher. Um, As it is, I think he's just a guy that you feel decent about low in RB2 range because I think this should be a game that supports him getting the ball as much as they want to give it to him, and we'll see how much they want to. I'm going. I'm just not putting like any stock into what he did week one when he had you know what was it 21 carries because they lost Damian Williams earlier in that game and they had you know no one else to get the ball to. Yeah, that's true. Drake London, Kyle Pitts, they're in lineups. I'm not as sure on Kyle Pitts as everyone else for this (laughs) season. I long term, I think he remains a good bet, but. I mean, as disappointing as the first two weeks are, you're just not benching him for like Irv Smith or Logan Thomas. No, no. I mean, his, his route rate was back at 91% in week two. You know, it was 72% in week one, which is like, eh, you want it to be higher than that. If he's at 91%, that's, you know, that's a top five mark at tight end. To, to me, the biggest problem for Kyle Pitts is Drake London. Drake London looks freaking awesome through two games. And, you know, he to me, he you know, Pitts is awesome at tight end, but London just you know, straight up, might just be the better passing game weapon at this point. So I, I would bet on London leading this team in targets. Not, you know, Pitts should still get, you know, 20% of Atlanta's targets at minimum. I, I think he's he's going to be fine. There's going to be down weeks because of the offense he's in. This is – Atlanta is um, pulled up their 27th in neutral pass rate. So, they, they, you know, they want to be a run – first offense which makes sense when you know your quarterback is Marcus Mariota um so you know those are the concerns for Pitts you know he's probably not going to pay off ADP but I'm nowhere near ready to to bench him unless you have you know another top five option on the Seattle sides DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett is really the only guys in contention so Jared tell me why DK Metcalf over Tyler Lockett (laughs) I don't know he, he they they probably should be closer I mean I still think Metcalf's a better player at this point in their careers. Metcalf had like a sweet 40 yard catch last week too, that got overturned by a penalty. Um, you know, Lockett is beating him in targets through two weeks, 25% target share for Lockett, 22% for Metcalf. Um, Lockett is the bigger average depth of target, 9.8 yards to 6.3 yards. So they, they should probably be closer. We can definitely do that. I, I would, you know, if I'm picking between the two, I'm still going DK. It's Lockett for me. They're even in route so far. Lockett's up by two targets, much more time in the slot, 45% of his routes from the slot so far. And I think that's just an, that makes it an, an easier guy to hit for a limited quarterback like Geno mm-hmm. Smith. It's easier to get the ball to him than it is to get it to DK Metcalf downfield. And as you mentioned, the a dot is favoring Tyler Lockett. And last year he finished with a longer a dot than DK Metcalf did. So, you know, neither guy excites me because of Geno Smith and the Seattle offense. But if I am actually deciding between them and it's, you know, it's probably not really a decision because you yeah. shouldn't have probably drafted DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett to the same team, but I'm going to have Tyler Lockett ahead of Metcalf in my rankings for week three. I'm glad I have, I don't think I have any either guy in any lineup setting leagues, but I actually have quite a bit of both of them in best ball, which I, I think, you know, not to pat me on back, but I think that's was kind of the way to play it this season. Yeah. Cause you know, we, we just saw Lockett having like Lockett started for all my best ball teams in week two, you know, he had a nice game. I think that's going to be kind of how it goes. You know, one of these guys can have a pretty solid game each week, probably not both of them. Um, the Seahawks, how do they run so few plays every week? They were like one of the lowest volume teams in NFL history last year, and they're like running even fewer plays this season. Slow it's and steady crazy. wins the race, Jared. It's unbelievable. The Rams at the Cardinals. Rams by three and a half, over under 48 and a half. James Conner, no practice Wednesday on his ankle. We'll have to see if he's going to be ready to play in this game. We don't know yet. Daryl Williams and Eno Benjamin split evenly in his absence. Daryl Williams made the fantasy impact by scoring the touchdown. Mm-hmm. If I'm choosing between them, I'm probably going Williams because he has actually produced in the NFL. We haven't seen that yet from, Eno Benjamin, but 
it's important to note that Benjamin has been ahead, uh, like into games ahead of Daryl Williams in each of the first two yeah. weeks. So it, it, it wouldn't be shocking if he ends up with more touches this week than Daryl Williams. Right. So, so after Connor exited in the third quarter of that game, it was eight carries for Williams to five for Benjamin, four targets for Benjamin versus three for Williams. So, yeah, you, you kind of had Williams more of the early down lead ball carrier, the goal line back, and then, you know, Benjamin playing more on passing downs. We, we, we see a lot that though, that when teams actually have a week to game plan, knowing that, you know, say Connor doesn't play and the Cardinals know that and they can game plan, it might look different. So I don't want to put too much stock into what we saw mm-hmm. in week two. Um, I'll say, you know, with, with Arizona being underdogs here, you know, it might favor Benjamin as, as the pass. I don't know. I, I think they're close. I think they're both going to be like RB threes in our rankings. If Connor ends up being out, I do think it's going to be, you know, a pretty even evenly split backfield. Yeah, I don't think it's a situation where it's like that guy's the runner and that guy's the receiver. Even with the discrepancy in size, they both do both of the things. So it's it's entirely possible that because of the size, the Cardinals view Eno Benjamin as more of a complimentary back. And that even if James Conner's out, Benjamin's still complimenting than Daryl Williams. So, you know, the thing to keep in mind here is that we really don't know what it's going to look like. So make sure that you're not yeah. st- too certain about what's going to happen if there's no James Conner in this game. And I'll also be over here crossing my fingers that we do get James Conner. If, if James Conner's ready. If it's a question, I hope they hold him out so that the ankle's better for week four. Um, but, you know, basically I'm just going to be at Joe Boo um, feeding him rum for uh, a James Conner healthy return. Rams are uh, first in Football Outsiders run defense, DVOA, through week two. So, you know, small sample, but it you know, could be a, a negative matchup. Rondale Moore did not practice Wednesday hamstring injury. Uh, you know, we'll see if he makes it back, but it's certainly not boding well for a week three return. Greg Dorch, meanwhile, two usable fantasy weeks, even though he only got four targets last week. Yeah, he uh, kind of lucked out last week to, to score that touchdown to kind of save. But I mean, the playing time was still there. Um, again, should probably a game the Cardinals are trailing. I think Dorch is a decent emergency option. To me, Zach Ertz is the, the guy, though, um, you know, he was limited in week one with that calf injury, but last week, obviously back to hundred percent, ran around on 92% of the pass play, saw a 22% target share. Like he, he could be at that, you know, 20 ish percent target share, uh, for these next few games. If more Rondell Moore remains out and, you know, until Deandre Hopkins returns in week seven. Yeah. Back to full usage. It's, it looks like that injury is healthy. And I think we should expect Zach Ertz to be heavily involved going forward. So I feel good about him as a PPR option. Yep. Um, you know, Marquise Brown, you're starting in most cases, not exciting, but um, you know, you just kind of have to really. Yeah. Brown just, he, he's just struggling. And it's like the you know top option in this passing game. I think he might, you know, actually benefit from DeAndre Hopkins returning in week seven. Uh, on the Rams side, Allen Robinson exists. Turns out he still plays football. Nice that he scored a touchdown, a solid receiving line, four catches for 53 yards, but still just 13.9% target share in this game. So, I mean, the upside matchup here makes him a wide receiver three. If he stays in this range, though, he's going to be somebody that's benched more often than starting. Yeah, I mean, some good news for Robinson. Yeah, he produced for you if you used him last week. Actually, he should have had it. a second touchdown. He, he scored, but they like blew the whistle during the play because they saw one of the Falcons defenders, you know, I guess showing concussion symptoms on the field. So they blew it dead, even though Robinson had basically scored by that point. But like you said, the target share, you know, Tyler Higby is still vastly out targeting Allen Robinson. Um, so that that's concerning. He, I would, I, I agree. Robinson's a decent start this week in this matchup. Uh, if he has another productive game, he'd be a guy I'd be looking to sell. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, you you could even try selling him right now just to see if somebody's like, oh, okay, Allen Robinson's back. He scored a touchdown. Um, but don't, I, it's too early to sell him for whatever you can get, I think. Yep. Especially ahead of this matchup. Um, Cam Akers passed Daryl Henderson in carries last week, three nothing in targets, but he ran fewer than half as many routes as Daryl Henderson did. So, you know, nice that he came back to life, but don't overrate the opportunity lead as uh, now it's clearly Cam Akers in charge. I have no idea how to project this backfield this week. I don't know if week two was like a flipping where we're going to start to see Akers, you know, pass Henderson now, if, we're, if it was a one week thing or if it's going to continue to be this level of split. I have no idea. I mean, if you're picking between the two, I would still go Daryl Henderson just because he did lead in, in snaps and pass routes last week. Um, but again, I, I would not be surprised if this backfield goes in any direction this week. And I mean, flippening is the crypto term. Isn't it that thing that every, that people were waiting for and it hasn't actually ever happened? I don't know. I don't know why that word came to my head. That's, that's what I went with. Matthew Stafford's in a nice spot. He's easily inside our top 12 cards have allowed the second most QB points so far. Tyler Higby, no tight end in the league has seen more targets through two weeks <sighs> and no tight end has scored further under expected. So you know, part of that is we love the usage and it makes Tyler Higby pretty easy to start at this point. The other side is Tyler Higby might just be a guy who scores <laughs> under expected all season. Yes, I would bet on him scoring under expected. Now, when he's second in expected fantasy points among tight ends through two weeks, he can score under expected and you know still finish as a top 10 fantasy tight end, which I think is what he's going to be this season. I, I think I think he's a locked in weekly starter at this point. Well, you know, we'll see maybe when Van Jefferson returns Higby's mm-hmm. target share. Takes a hit. I mean, it's not going to remain where it's been through two weeks. Was it twenty six percent? I mean, at this point, he he's the pretty clear number two option in this passing game. Yeah, I would expect that to alter going forward. But you know, if he's at eighteen or seventeen percent, that's plenty to support Tyler Higby's fantasy value through the season. No, he had like three end zone targets last week. He dropped one of them. I mean, he could have had a massive game last week, but that's just the story of Tyler Higby. <laughs> yeah. Um, Green Bay at Tampa Bay, the game we've all been waiting for. Buccaneers by one over under a 41 and a half, though, in a matchup of Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And I think that the primary factor here is all of these wide receiver injuries. And it's on both sides at this point. So Wednesday's practice report had Randall Cobb out. That was with an illness. So, you know, it shouldn't be the kind of thing that keeps him out of the game. Alan Lazard limited with the ankle. Sammy Watkins limited with the hamstring. Christian, Christian Watson limited with the hamstring. I mean, none of those guys are players that we want to play. Um, mm-hmm. None of those guys are helping uh, Aaron Rodgers by being active for the game. On the Bucks side, Chris Godwin, no practice hamstring. Julio Jones, no practice knee. Russell Gage, limited hamstring. Scotty Miller and Brashad Perriman, limited with their things. Leonard Fournette, limited. He played through the hamstring issue last week, so we expect him to play. But lots of injuries on both sides and a couple of offenses that have not been yeah. amazing so far. Yeah, and on the Bucks side too, you have uh, they had to place ta- tackle Josh Wells on IR with a calf injury. Tackle Donovan Smith didn't practice Wednesday after missing week two, so the O line is a mess as well. Um, yeah, these just aren't these aren't the offenses that they were last season. Um, Tampa, I mean Tampa is 28th in situation neutral pass rate through two games, and I mean that, that's obviously because of the O line and wide receiver issues, but that, that, those aren't changing this week you know we'll see who ends up being available and we know Evans is out Godwin is very likely out Julio Jones seems very iffy like you know it could be Russell Gage Brashad Perriman and Scotty Miller as their top three wide receivers and if that's the case I think they're going to continue leaning on Fournette in the ground game 
Yes, I agree. This is just like, I'm going to trust the over under here more than looking at the quarterback's names. And that's why I don't, I don't think that Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers is an attractive option this week. I, I don't, I don't disagree with that. Packers running backs off to a good start. The Bucks have allowed the second fewest running back points, but 4.6 yards per carry allowed 15th and run defense DVOA. So don't look yeah. at the defense and think these are the Bucks. They stop the run every year. There's no Indomitong Sioux in that defense anymore. And now Akeem Hicks is out as well. So this is not a matchup that I think alters the outlook for either Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon. And Tampa's first in pass defense DVOA. So, you know, they used to be this pass funnel. They might turn into a run funnel this season, which is obviously what Green Bay wants to do anyways. I think, you know, that what, what we saw on Sunday night against the Bears, that's kind of how the Packers, I think, want their offense to operate this season where it's running through Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. So I think they're I think both guys are strong fantasy plays this week. Are you picking up Cole Beasley anywhere? <laughs> um, I haven't yet. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if he becomes a factor. I mean, he 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 was still decent in Buffalo last year and you know if there's opportunity we know you know Brady loves his his slot guys uh, I, th- I think there's there's a chance I can't wait for the Scotty Miller Brashad Perriman Cole Beasley wide receiver lineup that's coming God. <laughs> coming to a CFL game near you <laughs> San Francisco at Denver on Sunday night 49ers by one and a half this opened as Broncos by two and a half over under 45 points George Kittle limited Wednesday, Jared, with that groin injury. So he should be back because we know that if George Kittle has any chance of playing, he's going to play and he comes back in time to find a quarterback who actually throws the ball. So I think Jimmy Garoppolo better for receiving upside overall. Um, They are, they have been 60, 40 run pass through two games. We have them at 46, 54 favoring the pass a little bit in week three, they were roughly 48-52 last year. So I think that range is what we should expect. That obviously helps the volume. And I think, you know, we should reasonably expect better passing efficiency from Garoppolo than we would yeah. have from Trey Lance. Yeah, I totally. I mean, the Trey Lance injury sucks. I mean, I wanted to see him this season. Uh, but it's definitely good news for these wide receivers and George Kittle. We're going to get more passing. We're going to get more efficient passing. Um, I think Brandon Ayuk is a guy to try to go out and trade for right now. Um, you know, he's run a pass route on 97% of pass plays through two weeks. He saw 33% target share last week. Like it hasn't hit in the box score yet, but he's getting nice usage. Uh, we, we saw him produce as a wide receiver two over the final two thirds of last season with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, so I think, you know, I wouldn't bet on him producing at that level, but I think he can at least be a wide receiver three. Now this is a tough matchup. You know, Denver's secondary is tough. Um, I think it still be a, a lower scoring game. Um, just, just in general, I think these wide receivers and Kittle get, you know, they, they get a boost with the Trey Lance injury. Mm-hmm. Debo Samuel's inside our top 10, likely to play a significant rushing role. He topped 50 yards on the ground in each of the first two games. And, you know, we talked about the passing should get a little bit better, should be a little bit more volume. And I mean, especially now that um, Ty Davis price has also gone down, like the injuries that have already beset this backfield, they already like handing the ball to Debo Samuel. It's only going to yeah. further encourage that which, you know, helps his touch floor. I still think fantasy-wise we would like to see more of his production coming through the air, though. Yeah, it's just one game, but last week Debo Samuel got the four carries, and he also saw a 25% target share. Now, it was a low-volume passing game. It was only six targets, and again, it's just one game, so I don't want to weigh it too heavily. But, like, if he's going to keep that up and get that level of target share and the rushing volume, then he's going to be a fantasy monster. But, but you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And we'll see how the backfield goes, like, you know, they have Jordan Mason, who's been active the first two games, but only on special teams, hasn't played an offensive snap yet. 
They promoted Marlon Mack to the active roster. They signed Tevin Coleman to the practice squad yesterday. Coleman, of course, has he's he spent four years with Kyle Shanahan in um, Atlanta and San Francisco, so he has experience in the offense. He, what you know, he's 29 years old, but he was still decent with the Jets last season. You know, in that bad Jets offense. So um, I don't know. I, I might I might stash Tevin Coleman on a few rosters where you know I have I have a spot to play with. Yeah, I would say it's uh, kind of a why not move down in that range, especially we've already seen two injuries to this group. I think Jeff Wilson Jr. belongs in a lot of lineups this week. We mentioned uh, TDP is out indefinitely with a high ankle sprain. Wilson took over the running back work in week one after Elijah Mitchell left. And I I don't really get Jordan Mason. Why is he active for two games if you don't want him in the backfield at all? I understand special teams, but how much sense does it make to have a, a running back active just for the sake of 13 special teams snaps. Mm-hmm. It doesn't to me. And it's also it, any running back in San Francisco is potentially relevant. So I can understand considering them on waivers, but Jordan Mason's not a good prospect. I mean, he went undrafted, yeah. his workload decreased at the end of his college career. He tested well below average. So, you know, you can say maybe he looked good in the preseason, but I, this is not a guy to bet on. And now, you know, we'll see he's going to rush 18 times for 170 <laughs> yards this week. Yeah. Always possible. But, but I mean, I, I'm with you that the Niners action so far through these first two games and even, you know, this week signing Marlon Mack you know, to the practice squad and then promoting him and then signing Tevin Coleman. It's like, the, I, I don't, it doesn't seem to me that they want to give Jordan Mason the ball on offense at this point. So I, I do think Jeff Wilson is going to get, you know, pretty much all he can handle in this game. Um, again, I don't, that's not a great spot. I don't think on the road against a pretty tough Denver defense, but I do think the volume should be there for Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Brandon Ayuk inside the top 36. I don't think there's a whole lot to say about him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there should be more passing than there was. We'll see exactly how that sorts out. Yep. On the Denver side, Jerry Judy's got the rib slash shoulder injury. Uh, no practice Wednesday. We'll see about his status for the weekend. KJ Hamler also limited Wednesday, so we'll see about him. I think if no Judy, you roll with Sutton. You're probably rolling with Cortland Sutton anyway. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm not looking for anything sneaky from this offense because it's been awful through two weeks, and that's included Russell Wilson. So sometimes we get to this point and we're like, yeah, things haven't been great, but there's been some bad luck involved. There's not a whole lot of bad luck involved here. He, Russell Wilson's 23rd in PFF passing grade so far. He's right behind Marcus Mariota, right behind Davis Mills, behind Jameis Winston, behind Mitchell Trubisky, and well behind Jacoby Brissett. So he's not playing well. We also saw Russell Wilson have stretches of not playing well last year with Seattle. I mean, I still believe in Russell Wilson, but there's a chance that I believe in him too much at this point. And I think yeah. for week three specifically, I'm going to lean toward not believing in him and the Denver offense. And I'm playing Marcus Mariota here. He's, he's been bad. And, you know, we could explain last year away or we tried to with the finger injury. Um, you know, maybe, but maybe it wasn't due to that. Maybe he's, you know, just decline declining at this point. I mean, he is 33 years old. Um, it's definitely possible. Now, on the flip side, like it's a you know brand new offense. It's two games in. Um, he didn't have Jerry Judy for you know three quarters of last week's game, and when Judy is out and Hamler's out, like it's it's Sutton and not much else. So you know they're you know I'm not giving up on Russell Wilson. I don't think I'm ready to bench him for Marcus Mariota. You know Derek Carr, I could see Tuba, I could see. Um, I'm I'm definitely worried about about Wilson. And again, if there's no Jerry Judy, Wilson Wilson will be dipping. And if there's no Judy, I I could see you know maybe Mariota over Wilson. 
Well, there you go. We can at least knock him down to 13th for now, and then we'll see about that Mariota line, um, which I'm okay with stopping at. Anything else from that Denver side? Um, no, I think Albert Okwe Boonham, you can't play him. His usage dropped in, in week two. Um, and then Javante Williams kind of widened the gap between him and Melvin Gordon in week two. So uh, very encouraging stuff for Javante. Yeah, we're going to call him Albert Goway Boonham for now. Dallas at, at Giants on Monday night to close us out. Giants by one at home against Cooper Rush over under 39. And guys, go to bed early on Monday night. This is not a yeah. game worth watching. Cooper Rush, you know, nice last week for both Cooper Rush and the Cowboys. It's good for all of us that the Cowboys aren't just a team to forget about with Dak Prescott out. Now, that said, 19 of 31 passing, 235 yards, one touchdown against the Bengals defense that's not scaring anybody. So, it's not like Cooper Rush is a godsend. It's just like, mm-hmm. you know, okay, they'll, they'll be all right. Terrific game for Noah Brown. Did it on five targets, so I don't think there's a whole lot of usable stuff there. C.D. Lamb, though, 11 targets through two games. Had a usable game last week. Was a top 24 PPR receiver and has 30% target share through two weeks. And that, Jared, was the big question on him heading into the season. Yeah, now he's doing it with no Michael Gallup and even, you know, Dalton Schultz missed the end of this game. Um but it actually sounds like Gallup might play on Monday night, but I think he'd be limited if he does. Dalton Schultz is iffy. So, you know, Lamb, the volume should you know be enough to, to make him a decent fantasy play. I think the upside is obviously limited with Cooper Rush, but I think you can stick with Lamb in lineups. I, I don't think you want to be messing with Noah Brown, like you said, just the five targets last week. Um, we did see Tony Pollard get a you know 23% target share in you know this first game of the season with Cooper rush. We'll see if that, you know, turns into a thing or if it's kind of, kind of a one week blip, um, you know, Zeke, Zeke still playing well ahead of Pollard in terms of snaps. Um, so, you know, Pollard kind of a fringy RB three. And I think Zeke's like a unexciting RB two. Yeah. And I know you mentioned that um, the target share for lamb has come with no Michael Gallup and it's, you know, you can look at the situation and say, yeah, but what about when Gallup comes back? It's probably coming down. Noah Brown's got 19% target share through two weeks. So, I mean, that's definitely coming down once Michael Gallup is back and CD lamb definitely could remain above 25%. And, you know, if that was our big question on him heading in, I think it makes him somebody to, to potentially buy going forward. You mentioned Zeke still playing well ahead of Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard's playing enough to be usable. um, But, you know, it is worth noting that Zeke still played two thirds of the snaps last week, Mm -hmm. ran around on 58% of dropbacks. So Zeke's probably still playing, especially more than like what his production against the Bengals would suggest. Although, you know, we'll see whether that's (laughs) pointing to the declining player and hurts his um, touch count going forward. Yeah, I mean, good spot for the running backs here in a game that, you know, should should be close, and the Giants' run is not great. Giants' side, Saquon Barkley and absolutely nothing else. Uh, yeah, Sterling Shepard is working his way into at least fantasy relevance. Um, you know, we saw – so he he ran around on 65% of the pass plays in the opener, you know, his, his first game since the torn Achilles. That was up to 91%. You know, it was, it was Sterling Shepard and David Sills as the clear top two wide receivers – for the Giants in week two and Shepard with the 29% target share. We we've seen like Daniel Jones loves Sterling Shepard. Like when Shepard's out there healthy, Daniel Jones is looking his way. So to me, Shepard at this point, the pretty clear favorite, you know, as sad as it is to lead Giants wide receivers in targets this season. And, you know, the upside isn't, isn't great type of player he is in this, you know, bad offense, but um, you know, Shepard should be owned, I think in, you know, PPR leagues of, of 12 plus teams now. 
yeah, consider him Jacoby Myers, not somebody that's mm-hmm. going to excite you, not somebody that's going to have a whole lot of boom weeks, but he's reliable in an offense that doesn't have a whole lot that's reliable. So I, I agree exactly. he belongs on rosters. Kadarius yep. Tony's usage was up in week two, still just 37% route participation, though. Yeah, he got touches on like the first two plays or two of the first three plays last week. And I was like, all right, here we go. Tony's Tony's here. And then 37%. It's an improvement from last week. Again, I'm still stashing him, but nowhere near fantasy lineups. And certainly not a must hold on my list either. That's going to do it for this week three preview podcast. If you're not already there, head over to DraftSharks.com now to see our week three rankings, find out exactly how everybody stacks up against each other. As always, we'll keep refining these lists as we get closer to the games. We get more info on player injuries and everything else surrounding all these teams. The Who Should I Start tool is there as well to help you compare specific players, even across positions to see who you should start. And you can check the Flex Rankings page to see running backs versus wide receivers and tight ends all in the same list, even if we're not immediately available to answer your questions. The website is ready to answer your questions in various ways. If you are merely a podcast listener and not a DS Insider, we do still appreciate you as well. So, you know, give us a follow, a subscription, a like, whatever, to try to help us try to help support us that way. Hey, click the links below the podcast here and get some free money to play with on Underdog, on Sleeper. That will help support us as well. For Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.